Hey y'all, post-production Stephanie here. I just wanted to jump in here real quick and let you know uh, that we had uh, a bit of technical difficulty in the editing phase of this podcast, and we ended up having to use a backup audio file, the one that we record with every episode, in case of just such an occurrence. So... You will notice that uh, perhaps our audio quality is not up to our usual standard, but uh, here is our episode in its uh, in its full raw glory. Uh, so I hope you I hope you enjoy it raw. This went weird. I'm just gonna you know what? Cue music. Cue music. Here we go. Affects a lot more than just, uh, you know, half 50% of the population. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. 50% of the population I'm is sorry. enough, though. Uh, 54% of the population. Yeah, there's so, actually you more know, of us. Yeah. If you're, yeah. Uh, if you're a dickhead that only cares about yourself, let me tell you, brother. Uh, brother. It, brother. <laughs> uh, it is uh, a lot more. Is your coming. Hulk Hogan today. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you, brother. Let me tell you something, brother. More yeah. than half the population of the United States has a uterus, brother. Yeah. Just like that. Cocaine, brother. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, fuck. All right. <laughs> I went, I'm trying. I try. Like, before we hit record, we were, like, trying to get in a good headspace for this. We're just in a mood going into today's, today's episode, y'all. I'm so yeah, sorry. Yeah, fuck everything. It's just, it's a capital M mood today. Um, And so that is not Iron Man's fault. Absolutely not. So we're clear. And Iron Man is, mm -hmm. and don't you know, there's no politics in Marvel. That's okay. We will get into it. We'll get, (laughs) we're going to get into that in such a way. Uh, But first, uh, shall we intro the show? Let's intro the show. Are we ready to intro the show? I'm ready to intro the show. I'm all right. I think if we keep talking much longer, uh, I'm going to incite a revolution or or alarm an NSA agent. So let's just let's just intro the show and talk about Iron Man. Let's now, fucking okay? do it. All right. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> oh, hey everybody. Welcome back to Marvelous Divas, the podcast where a woman and a gay man express their opinions about Marvel and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is Stephanie. I'm the woman half of the show, and I do have my husband's permission to make this podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's true. Um, <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm the Ooh. gay man. I'm also a Obadiah sexual. Apparently. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, and, shit. and Stephanie... Mm. I do everything that Mr. Stark requires, including taking out the trash. Will that be all? <laughs> we'll talk about that moment, too, because I have notes. All I right. have. Oh, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, I have a couple of things before we get into the meat of the matter today. Do you have anything? I have reviews. Oh, I've awesome. Sold, I, I have reviews. I'm not going to tell you how many. We have two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, keep it sweet, bitch. All right. Um, so uh, tell tell me all about these reviews. Okay. Uh, so uh, 
thank you so much, by the way, for all of y'all who are giving us reviews. It gives mm -hmm. us life. It gives us hope. And we really need that right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, you think you're my oxygen wrote. You're so pretty. <laughs> Things I expected when I started listening to divas laughing out loud so hard that I almost crashed my car. Uh -oh. learning, learning odd tidbits about Star Wars and the MCU, mm. being thoroughly entertained. What I did not expect was to start insulting my coworkers by telling them how pretty they are. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's it. Mission accomplished. I'm out. I quit. I quit the show. Yeah. No, for the record, we would really appreciate not, not killing people in their cars. Uh, yes, yes, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not you know. celebrating uh, you almost crashing your car. Please drive safe out there. Uh, but absolutely, you're so pretty is fucking perfection. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you found that. Add it to your arsenal. Uh, also, uh, uh, user Payote, who I believe they've left a Dark Side Divas review before. Yes, uh, because I recall us trying to navigate whether it's Payote or Payote, maybe. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah, you remember? Uh, you remember? Okay. I, I do now. Anyway, uh, hi. Welcome back. I've, I've gotten high since then. So what do you do? I mean... uh, uh, right. Uh, so these two shows, after finishing my Clone Wars rewatch, I found mm -hmm. this other podcast. And because of it, I found myself falling in love with Agent Carter. Oh. A, show, a show I had skipped because of my old pale male ego. And, it, <laughs> and as a Star Wars fan, I now hate all of the MCU because it is not having constant flashbacks to Agent Carter and flashbacks to those flashbacks. <laughs> uh, these shows have helped me become a less toxic fanboy, and I'm super Aww. excited for your show on Captain Marvel and eventually ones of Miss Marvel, which we'll get to in 20 years. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there someday. Oh, shit, I lied. What? We have one more podcast, but I'll, I, this one's short, I promise. You mean one more review? uh yes what did i, I said podcast yes you said I, podcast and i'm like I, what did you just sign me up for? <laughs> um, I, for for the record i'm completely sober right now and this is what happens when i do shit sober okay mm -hmm, that uh, is a problem. I, I, and, and they're a patron and also a wonderful tiktoker uh please follow a uh, pro brain fever if you're not on, hey. already following them they are awesome hey, you i, I love him guy. he's awesome I like that guy uh the best mcu podcast there was uh -huh. an idea Stark knows this, called the Avengers Initiative. The idea was to bring <laughs> together a group of remarkable people, see if they could have become something more, see if they could work together when we needed them to fight the battles we never could. Mm -hmm. What an appropriate review for today's show. Aww, perfection. Thank, Thank you, you so, much. so much, man. Appreciate oh, it. Oh, yeah. You're awesome. Okay. Um, so real quick, um, I have a note from the Department of Corrections. Another mistake. I know. Well, and this was... Like, seriously, I fucking kicking myself for this one. You remember, do you remember way no. back in, in, you know, 20 something episodes ago when we were talking about Agent Carter and I was like, heroine's journey, heroine's journey. This is what I want to talk about. This is the lesson. Let us discuss the differences between the hero's journey and the heroine's okay. journey. Isn't this amazing? You know what I totally forgot to bring up the entire time we were talking about Captain Marvel, an entire film that is about the heroine's journey? What? The heroine's journey. I forgot to bring it up. <laughs> yeah. If you want an example of the heroine's journey of the, uh, of the heroine doesn't need to be female, but the heroine uh, who finds themselves separated from the only family they know and journeying alone and gradually building up a tribe of trusted comrades around them that support them and help them to find their own power and move on to other adventures. That's Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel is the heroine's journey. It's a fucking believe, textbook I, example I, of the heroine's I, journey. I, I believe you. 
That's all I can say. <laughs> and I got my husband's permission to talk about it. Um, <laughs> still pretty salty about the Supreme Court, you guys. Sorry. Um, but yeah, so that's that's that. That's Captain Marvel heroine's journey. There you go. That is your example for now and forever. Um, so let's talk about today's episode, though. Oh, my gosh. So we... Uh, some of y'all may have noticed with our Captain Marvel episode, you know, we're changing up the format a little bit because when we were going through Agent Carter, we would just sort of go like beat for beat through everything that happened in the show. Uh, and that's OK when the, the subject of your show is only like 40, 45 minutes long. But when it's a two hour movie, um, ain't nobody got time for that. Uh, I don't have the time. I don't have the stamina. I have chronic fatigue, y'all. I can't do that shit. That's too much podcast. Uh, so we, you know, the, the format of the show is kind of evolving a bit. Uh, and we did get some feedback after our Captain Marvel episode that some of y'all missed us actually going through the events of the movie. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure why, but you did. And I appreciate that. Uh, so we're going to kind of, <laughs> we're going to kind of Frankenstein some shit together. We're going to hit some of the, the, the notes of the, and we'll probably fuck this up because of who we are as people. Um, but we're going to try and hit some of the major events of the movie while also giving you all the other extra information that we have found. Speaking of all the other extra information, y'all, these movies, the, the MCU films, all of this content was all made in the age of social media. It was all made in the age of 24-hour news cycle and constantly needing like new, new online content. Content. And so there's so much information. There's uh, too, so too much. much. Too, too much. fucking much. Yeah. We can't we can't possibly consume it all. I cannot possibly sit here and list for you all of the behind the scenes trivia for any one of these movies because there's too fucking much. Yeah. Um, so what we're going to do is we're not going to get to all of it because there's no fucking way. But what we're going to do is basically provide for y'all a compilation of our favorite bits of the extra information of the behind the scenes stuff of the history of any of the trivia and shit like that whatever made us uh laugh or cry or was particularly relevant um etc like that's that's all this is just like this is curated extra content for you ah uh, uh, see how it's not about us being lazy it's about you getting the highest quality content uh, sure. sure, Jan. I fucking hate you. <laughs> what y'all don't know is before we started recording today, he sure jammed me and we almost had a fight. We did not almost have a fight. I was telling you. I was going to fight you. I was telling you that today is the uh, seven, seven year anniversary of Netflix putting the Brady Bunch movie on, uh, on Make It Available. And a lot uh -huh. of people hadn't seen that movie. And then a lot of people gift the fuck out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just wanted to document that for anyway, science purposes. You know. That is um, super fascinating. And I was going to fight you because I thought you were sure janning me. So Now, sweetie. <gasps> <laughs> I probably shouldn't do that today. No. Uh, I am not in the mood to be now sweetied today. Okay? Uh, yeah, right. No kidding. Uh, for the record, uh, Stephanie literally flew back five feet from the computer when I did that to her. <laughs> Uh, so if you'd like to see Stephanie flying, uh, you can go to our Patreon for five bucks a month. Patreon.com forward slash Divas podcast. I had to lean back so I didn't start swinging and hit my very expensive microphone. Right. <laughs> you motherfucker. Oh, I'll destroy you. Okay. Uh, so I think that's it. And it's ready. It's ready. It's oh fuck. Sorry. Again, we are in a mood today and my brain is all over the place. Right. I'm trying. 
So Find what are center. we what are we here to do? Hold on. What's I'm, happening? I'm looking, I'm, what's my motivation? Here we go. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Rubber baby. <laughs> <laughs> you you are a co-host of a podcast where you do 90% of the talking and I just sit here and look pretty. I hate you. You know how self-conscious I am about that. I know, I'm sorry. But I <laughs> haven't got made to a... stop. Look, I get I get that your primary coping mechanism is antagonizing other people, but it my is. primary coping coping mechanism is not being antagonized by my best friend on the day when I lost half my human rights. So well, other than that last part, none of that was true, what you just said. I don't I've like never, to be antagonized. I've never. Oh, you love being antagonized. You love. I don't. You. I just haven't killed you for it yet. Oh, well, I learned something new about you after 22 years of friendship. <laughs> I don't like being. Now antagonized. it makes sense why you get so angry at me all the time. I don't fucking <laughs> like it. <laughs> I hate you. I'm okay. Sorry. I'm okay. sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Good. You should be. Okay, so what we're doing on this podcast uh, is we are watching through the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe in chronological order as best we can assess what that order may be, given the state of the multiverse at this time. Uh, so we are right now, we are, we are getting into the Infinity Saga. We are, uh, we started with, God damn it, hold on. I'll come in again. <laughs> this is a hot mess. Uh, before you come in again, can I just say how excited I am that 24 hours from now, I can finally fucking talk to you about Dr. Fucking Strange. I'm going to watch it tomorrow night with my fam. So, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Basically 24 hours from now. Yeah. About that. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I finally yeah. get to talk to you about mom. I'm so excited. I'm sorry. Okay. All right, the stupidest so, things I care about. Watching the MCU in chronological order, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> that means that we started with Captain America, the first Avenger, went through Agent Carter and Captain Marvel, and today we are on Iron Man. What a fuck, by the way, Whiplash, we're, we're literally starting at where it all began right now. I know. So, do, you, hold, do you have a clever shit. a clever intro bit for this? I did not. Um, okay, I actually, that's fine. I, because I, I, I couldn't conceive of one. It's like, it's the, because this is the first, in, <laughs> in real life, this is the first MCU movie. So I was like, I don't even know what to write. Right. I'm like, how do you even, how do you even preface this? Um, let me, let me, uh, let me uh, pop quiz you real quick. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. I'm so excited to be suddenly quizzed. Uh, okay. Well, I thought you would like this. Like, you, you're a good trivia person. <laughs> we'll see. All right. What do, uh, what does Sam Rockwell, Nicolas Cage, and Tom Cruise have in common? Uh, they were all up for the role of Tony Stark in this movie. That's correct. <laughs> I think you actually missed one. Hang on, I'm scrolling to where That's I, I found. It. I know there was a lot more, and we'll talk about why. I wrote it down somewhere. Where is that? Yeah, yeah. Oh wait, um, you forgot Clive Owen. Clive Owen was also up for this. Right, because yeah. Clive Owen was. There was a period of time where people cared about him. That's awesome. That's great. I love him. Did yeah. he do something wrong that I missed? Uh, I mean, what's he been doing lately? Being sexy somewhere? What else does he I, need to do? I don't know. I, I figured, because I, I was thinking about that. I was like, uh, how did that come up? Oh, I was what, watching, what, City of Men or whatever that movie Children was? Children of Men, which Children is going to come men. up in this podcast multiple times. I know, right? Uh, so, like, oh, hold on. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so, like, uh, with, uh, with Clive Owen, I was like, what happened to her? 
<laughs> He's <laughs> so know? pretty. Remember that King Arthur movie? Mm, mm, mm. Oh, oh, yes, that's right. Mm. Yeah, that mm. was a beautiful. Ma- okay, you know what? None of that has anything to do with this. Okay. So, yeah, this movie, Iron Man, this is the movie that started the entire MCU. Uh, This movie was released in 2008. Uh, So this is, oh, math, 14 years old. God damn it. Yeah. Uh, Iron Man's a teenager? Iron Man is a teenager. Can't quite learn to drive a car yet, but can Mm -hmm. get married in several states in the union. That's Isn't that nice, guys? Yeah. Um, So though it was released in 2008, it is set in 2010. uh, And it is remarkably prescient about a lot of the things going on in the world. So, you know, Chris mentioned earlier, there's no politics in Marvel. Um, And you'll hear people say that a lot in the fandom, keep your politics out of the out of the MCU. There's no politics in Marvel. What they're really saying is I don't want to see women LGBT people or people of color in any of these movies. Correct. um, Because Marvel is wall-to-wall politics, always has been, always will be. And this particular movie is all Afghanistan war all the time. 100%. So we are going to be talking about how closely this mirrors the reality of the Afghanistan war that was happening at the time. There's IED attacks, there's kidnap and ransom. Uh, There's uh, the very real issue of our own weapons being used against us and warlords taking over villages. And it was a goddamn horror show. They do a pretty good job of showing that here. Yeah, they do, for sure. Yeah. Um, do you have any... Oh, hold on. I think I have a flurkin at the door. One moment, Oh, please. no. Steph's in danger, y'all. <laughs> you know, uh, it's funny. Um, uh, Boomer is not... Boomer? Was, was on a roll, because he didn't disrupt us this morning Boomer? on Dark Side Divas, right. nor did he disrupt... Or, I'm sorry, she. I, 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 keep, I keep forgetting Boomer's a she. Um, uh, she didn't interrupt us for Unleashed either. So this is kind of interesting. Nah, she ding-dong ditched me. Wow, what a bitch. Yeah, bad bitch. <laughs> okay, do you have um, any information on like the lead up to this movie or anything? Any? So let's go back all the way to April 1990. when In the, Universal... the Wayback Machine? <laughs> um, uh, April 1990, Marvel was not doing great business. And they no. were getting very comfortable with the notion of selling off different properties uh, to different studios. Because at the time, you know what a movie was, ta- was uh, taking the entire world by storm? Batman. Mm. Oh, mm. yeah. So uh, stu- movie studios were uh, begging Marvel for different rights to different things and different shit happened to different properties. That's why to the, uh, uh, up until recently, most of the Marvel properties were owned by different studios. Um, oh, that's why they're so scattered all over the place. That's why they're so scattered all over the place. So Universal Studios was the first one to uh, purchase the rights to Iron Man. They wanted to, bu- they wanted to do a cheap version, though. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, eventually, Universal did nothing with them, and 20th Century Fox bought them in 1996. In January 1997, Nicolas Cage was involved with pre-production for Iron Ooh. Man, which did not happen. Then it was Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. and then some a bunch of other fucking people um, uh, that I don't know who they are, but whatever. Can you imagine <laughs> this, though, Stephanie? In May 1990, they actually have a script that was written that Quentin Tarantino was attached to direct. Uh-huh. Yeah, I read about that. Quentin fucking Tarantino in 1990. That's that's pre-pulp fiction. I'm sorry, 1999. Sorry. Oh, okay, there we go. Yeah. Uh so Fox so Fox sold the rights to New Lane Cinema and at that time Quentin Tarantino was doing pre-production for Kill Bill with with uh, New Lane Cinema, so 
you know, that relationship kind of makes sense. But, you know, the the base, basically the movie ping pong all over the place between different companies until finally uh, somehow uh, a big major uh, business deal fell through and Marvel got the rights returned to Iron Man. And finally Marvel was like, you know what? Fuck all these ideas because they had they had ideas for the Mandarin to be the villain, mm-hmm. Modok to be the villain. Uh, they were like, you know, all these ideas are shit. And remember, and we talked about this in the very first episode of Marvelous Diva stuff. Most superhero movies, like an overwhelming majority of them, were terrible. Yeah, they were shit. They were they were a pretty standard formula. We had already had like. There was repeated origin stories. We knew everything there was to know about how Spider-Man became Spider-Man. Shit like that. Like it was, it was not great. And like, don't even get me started on the DCU. Right. So by November, 2005, Marvel had already seen what happened with Spider-Man. Sam Raimi went all in on Mm -hmm. a very pure story about Spider-Man. They Mm -hmm. also saw what happened to the Hulk, which was not a pure story. Uh, And Marvel was like, fuck this. We're going to do it ourselves. They tried shopping uh, the uh, opportunity around to different par- studios they can partner with because Marvel Studios was like, I don't know, 10 people. <laughs> and they right. needed a movie studio company to, to partner with. Most of them said no. Uh, finally, they got a deal through with Paramount Studios and they were off to the races. They got their cash. They started pre-production. Uh, and eventually, John Favreau became the director. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we love John Favreau like a we lot. Fa- we'll talk about him in a minute. Unless oh, you we are going to talk. We are going to talk about them. So um, uh, as time moves forward, there, uh, you know, we're seeing other movie, other film franchises launch, X-Men, Spider-Man, of course, I mentioned mm-hmm. it before. Uh, so uh, Favreau was starting to screen test different people uh, to be Iron Man. At first, it was like, you know, we could get somebody completely obscure to be Iron Man because this is going to be Iron Man. So uh, we can afford to not have a big name attached to right. the movie. Mm-hmm. But apparently one day... Robert Downey Jr. showed up to do the screen testing. Oh my God. Uh, are we going to talk about Robert Downey oh, Jr. now? I've got a whole thing on Robert okay, Downey Jr. Okay, so we'll skip, well, I'll skip that part. Yeah. But he, he, uh, he screen tested for it. And John Favreau was like, he's Iron Man. That mm-hmm. has to be him. But get, but Marvel was not into the idea. And we'll talk about why later. But yeah. Robert Downey Jr. was not a, a favorite of Marvel's. And there was a lot of back and forth. But, uh, but John Favreau put his foot down and was like, this man is Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And they they lowballed Robert Downey Jr. Uh, on what he was going to get paid. He was only going to get paid $500,000, which yeah. I know that's a lot of money, but for a film of this of this uh, this caliber, that is a low ball. Well, and you know who ended up being one of the highest paid actors, if not the highest paid actor on the set? Uh, I'm going to assume uh, it was, uh, uh, fuck, what's her name? It plays Pepper? No. Not Gwyneth Paltrow, not Jeff Bridges' sexy ass, mm. Terrence Howard. Well, he was the big hot shit back then. He really was. Yeah, that was post I mean, he just won an Oscar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, anyway, so they make the movie and the rest is history. Uh, Iron Man turns out to be one of the, still to this day, one of, uh, considered to be one of the best superhero movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched it for the first time in a very, very long time, and it still fucking rocks. It's one of the, still one of the best movies uh, I, I, I think ever made. Oh yeah, so, no, this movie fucking holds up. Oh my god, Absolutely. so well, um, it's so goddamn good. Yeah, so there we go. Hmm. Um. So some behind the scenes info. 
the production yeah. the production staff on this. Of course, uh, we have we didn't shout this out last time. Um, uh, we need to acknowledge the ever looming presence of Kevin Feige. Yes. Over all of this, he is the president of Marvel Studios. He's he's the one who brought us all of the MCU. That's Kevin Feige did this. Right. Uh, and and he's clearly, from what we can tell uh, in these things, he's very collaborative. Extremely. Uh, he's, he's totally, you know, he's, he's accepting of like the input of everybody in the projects is fucking great. Not everybody will do that. But if you're going to be the president of Marvel Studios, uh, the man clearly has learned how to delegate. Um, so you mentioned John Favreau. Mm-hmm. As he's the director of this movie. Now, um, we, if you are a listener of Dark Side Divas, you heard us go on and on about John Favreau uh, because he does some voice work in the Clone Wars. So we've talked about him, but let's let's do it again. Let's do mm-hmm. this a fresh John Favreau gushing session. Um, he has been an actor, producer, director since the 90s. I first saw him and fell in love with him in Swingers. You remember mm-hmm. Swingers? Yeah, yeah. Vegas, baby. Vegas. <laughs> uh, he's fucking amazing. He was an actor and producer for that. My favorite movie of his, though, is because it's my favorite movie of all time, is The Replacements. Do you remember him in The Replacements? I haven't seen that movie in a very, very, very long time. Oh, my God. He's the one who's like, he's like the barbarian of the team. And he goes into a rage and they're like, give me the ball. You give me the ball. I just (laughs) I love movie football so much. You guys, it's my it's my guilty pleasure. Um, He uh, but, you know, that's just his acting work. He has directed many things, uh, including the beloved holiday film Elf. Yep. I didn't, it's a great movie. I didn't realize that. I don't think I've ever actually seen it. Certainly never seen it. It's so sober. cute. It's adorable. Um, so yeah, he directed Elf. Uh, he will go on to direct Iron Man 2, Cowboys and Aliens, uh, and to be deeply involved in the production of a couple of little shows you may or may not have heard of uh, called The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. John Favreau is fucking amazing. He's so goddamn talented and he's such a fucking delight. Have you seen his cooking show? It's like um, a food. Tr- it's like a food truck show. Yes, I can't I've remember seen the that. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chef it's, or whatever. I don't. I don't remember. Uh, I'm such a fan. I don't remember the name of the show. I know. Um, I love him so much. What does he do? I don't. Know. <laughs> uh, he he be sexy and has food. <laughs> That's all I need. I love John Favreau. Here's the thing. John Favreau has been in the public eye and been on camera for so long. You can have whatever your taste in a physicality uh, is. There's a John Favreau for that. He's like a living variety pack. He has been Jim Bunny Favreau, uh, like he is in The Replacements, where he's just like muscle on top of muscle with some extra muscle on the side. Um, And now he's, you know, big, beefy, cuddly bear Favreau working in the Star Wars. I just, oh. My my favorite Favreau, because that's the uh one I saw when I I saw him walk by me at Disneyland, at Star Wars Land of all fucking places. (laughs) I was like, hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That that is a wonderful, uh, delightful man. I adore him. I'm so glad that he did this project. I'm so glad that he he threw in his lot with Robert Downey Jr. for this, but we'll get to that. As for the writers, we have what appears to be, in looking at their resumes, two pairs of writers. Um, they clearly have operated as teams, okay? Because uh, we have four writers for this movie. Uh, there's Mark Fergus and Hawk Ostby. Uh, they share writing credits for Children of Men, Cowboys and Aliens, and nine episodes of The Expanse. Oh. Yeah. 
the other two are Art Markham and Matt Holloway. They wrote for Punisher Warzone. You remember that one? Oh, my God. Is that the one with Kevin Nash? Uh, no, that's the Thomas Jane one that has Kevin Nash as the Russian. Oh uh, this, is, this is the other one with the other guy. It was, yeah. yeah. Um, but these two guys also wrote for uh, Men in Black International and the Uncharted movie. So have you, have you seen the Uncharted movie? I have not. It's fun. You? You'll, oh, you'll okay. like it. Yeah, you'll, it's fun. It's fun. It looks like I just, I just have to get past the Mark Wahlberg of it all. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to. I don't like him. He's not the, I mean, he's a good Sully. But is he a good person? No. no. And I have a hard time separating the artist from the art when the artist is a racist. But you know what? He's not in this movie. We don't need to get into it. Heather, you're, okay. doing, you're doing a podcast with a bad person. So what do you, I don't, I don't know what the hold up you is You keep here. calling yourself a bad person. I would not have been friends with you for 20 plus years if you were a bad person. So shut the fuck up and quit talking shit about my friend. Okay. <laughs> good. Glad we had that talk. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go up to my partner. I am a good person. <laughs> and he's going to affirm you in that, or he will hear from me. <laughs> well, he's going to be like, so do I get a... <laughs> <laughs> oh, at least men are simple. Thank God. Mm -hmm. I like simple. Okay, okay, okay. I'm bitch. So um, let's get into the movie, shall we? Let's do it. All right, so we have divided. Here's what we're going to try and do is sort of just take the movie in chunks, like act one, act two, and act three. This also kind of dovetails in with a lot of discussion about like basic fucking media literacy that we've been having over in the Star Wars fandom. Like, this is how stories are told. There's like a rising action and a climax and a falling action and a denouement if you're feeling fancy. Like, there's just, just it's story structure. So we're going to go act one, act two, act three. Okay. Got it. So I consider act one to be the intro to Tony Stark, mm -hmm. uh, where we meet this guy. And we first meet him uh, in an armored convoy in the Kunar province in Afghanistan, right? Where he's being super charming with a bunch of soldiers. Uh, uh, in real life, it's actually a place called the Alabama Hills in Lone Pine, <laughs> California. See, I thought so. I was like, that looks like California with some CG mountains in the background. Uh, no That's CG. Like. Nope. Those are no? real mountains. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. California, you're so fancy. You got oh, everything. We are. We're so pretty. Yeah. So fancy. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he's riding along being super charming. Is it cool if I take a picture with you? Yes. It's very cool. And that's our first introduction to him is this is a man in a very expensive suit carrying a glass of scotch and on the rocks in the back of a Humvee surrounded by fully armored soldiers. Uh, and with that, I would like to introduce a new counter. Oh, the uh, hard, uh, how many times are people drinking hard liquor straight up uh, counter? <laughs> okay, well, it's not straight up. He's got rocks. Oh, sure. But like, you know, like the hard liquor, like, like I noticed, because I, I, I watched uh, a few more Iron Man movies and other things. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more drinking that happens at Marvel movies from now here on out, like a lot. <laughs> well, it's some grown up stuff and these people are stressed out. What are you going to yeah, do? No, no fucking joke. Yeah. Okay, so anyway. Uh -huh. Anyway, so um, on, uh, Dean on the hard liquor counter, Dean on the hard liquor counter, <laughs> liquor, you liquor, you brought her. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a reflex. Uh, anyway, so yeah, uh, his convoy gets hit by an IED. There's a whole ass attack. It's bad. It's bad. And he recognizes the logo on one of the weapons is Stark Industries. 
God damn it. Oh, shit. Anyway, 36 hours earlier, we're in Vegas seeing Tony Stark be Tony Stark. So um, I really what? liked uh, how, yeah, it was a little whiplashy. Um, I really liked how they handled the, um, like, this was like a, an award that he was winning. And so they had like a whole award show montage of like the history of Tony Stark. So you get to know who we're talking about here. Because the Rolling remember, Stone cover, the Rolling Stone cover was my favorite. Uh, yeah, I really liked um, the uh, the. I think there was a cover with Obadiah Stane standing there, mm-hmm. like with his hands on his hips, looking down very sternly at a very mm-hmm. small planet. Like that mm-hmm. was very telling. Um, they do, they do a lot of showing as well as telling during that mm-hmm. montage. It's very good, and it's so weird to watch it now because like Tony Stark is so ubiquitous in her consciousness. But it's a different it's, version of Tony Stark, right? Like we're still we're still seeing like completely so, complete selfish prick Tony Stark, right? Exactly. Like right. this is this is you know because there's the classic line from Avengers, you know, billionaire playboy philanthropist. This is just billionaire playboy, right? Philanthropy's not on his resume nope. yet. Uh, he's actually just enormously charismatic and charming, but incredibly brilliant. Like they go through his whole academic record. Uh, incredibly brilliant. Um, he's the the boy genius son of Howard Stark. Uh, he took over Stark Industries at the age of 21 after his father's death uh, and mm. went into weapons development. And he's just a fucking playboy. He's been called the Da Vinci of our time, the merchant of death, all of that shit. And it's like, and he's a fucking womanizer. Like he picks up this reporter who clearly just wants to hate fuck him. Uh, right, which I'm not going to blame her for that. I support her in that. So mm-hmm. who's playing this asshole? Well, obviously we know, but let's I mean, talk about it like we don't. Right. So this is, of course, Robert Downey Jr. <gasps> At the time that this movie came out, Robert Downey Jr. was not a big deal. I mean, he was a big deal to 80s kids like me. Right. Like I remembered him because um, he'd been in, you know, he'd been in movies and shit since the fucking seventies. He was Brat Pack adjacent, you know, in the eighties. He was like that that cute, funny little bad boy who ran around with the Brat Pack from time to time. You know, all those Breakfast Club kids. Um, and then he made movies like Chaplin and Heart and Souls, and we saw that he was fucking devastatingly talented. So good. But as often happens with the devastatingly talented in Hollywood, he had a drug problem. Hmm. Did you one. have any? Did you have anything on that? Well, I mean, do we want to get all into the the con- controversy of it all? I mean, we can just say, yeah, he got arrested. He did time. He he had a severe cocaine problem, um, and so by the mid nineties, you know, he's in and out of rehab and stuff, struggling with it. He's fucking unhirable in Hollywood. He's he's goddamn radioactive. <laughs> Nobody wants to work with him. He's doing like guest spots on Ally McBeal and shit. Well, actually, he was supposed to have a bigger role. I mean, that's I mean, this is an example of what Robert Downey Jr. was doing basically in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to have a recurring role in Ally McBeal because th- he had chemistry with uh, Ally McBeal. <laughs> he could have chemistry with a wet sock. The yeah, man pretty much. is just oh. But oh. in the in the middle of filming, he gets arrested. He gets arrested twice uh, mm. in a year and a half time span, like it just in in that one from like nineteen ninety nine to two thousand one. He uh, just could not get his shit together. And there were several times, like I think he was uh, there was a, a Shakespeare movie he was going to do, but then he got mm-hmm. arrested again. And that uh, that movie studio put a lot of money into that because at the time, I guess 
Shakespeare movies were the shit. I don't know. Yeah, but, it's the Shakespeare love era. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Which so was anyway, also Gwyneth Paltrow. Mm. So Robert Downey Jr. was toxic uh, from the perspective of a movie studio because, you know, I think we've said this before on at least the other show, a good actor shows up on time and sober. On time, prepared and sober all the time. Yeah. Robert that's Downey, how you, that's Robert how Downey Jr. Get. was none of those things ever when ever. he was showing up to set. So mm-hmm. it just got to a point where, like, no one could depend on him. If, you, if you're not dependable, you're not going to get hired. And that's that. There's you're no- certainly they're not going to pin a fucking multi-million dollar project on you. No, like, these are major investments. And if you can't you can't make the movie, if your fucking title characters actor can't get his act together and show up. So that's why Marvel Studios didn't want to work with him. Absolutely not. They were like, dude, he we're going to this is our first movie. This is like a a, a fucking gamble. Yeah. Uh, and it was our, a huge gamble because like if this didn't work, they were fucked. Yeah, because from a Marvel Studio perspective, they they're publishing. I mean, the comic book business was in an upheaval for everybody mm-hmm. at the stage. Uh, people were, you know, scanning comic book pages and selling dollar copies of like digital versions of comic right. books. Mm-hmm. Uh Marvel had cash, but it's because they were selling off all of the rights, like the X-Men, for example, and, right. and Spider-Man. They were selling mm-hmm. off the rights right and left right, just to stay afloat. So for them to like want to do their own movie, it was a it, like if this shit didn't work, there would be no more Marvel comics. Yeah, this was do or die. Mm-hmm. This movie was going to make or break Marvel, period. And to pin all of that on somebody with a reputation like Robert Downey Jr. Holy shit. But. It's because of all of that, because of all the shit that he went through and and getting his shit together. Now, let's be clear. I am not condemning the man. Addiction is awful. Mm-hmm. And and drug, drugs are bad, okay? And so he was, the struggles that he went through were obvious. And like, you know, we were rooting for him. We wanted him. Like, we everybody wanted him to get his shit together because he was such a a sweet and, and humble and charming person when he wasn't being the addict. And so, you know, I'm not trying to talk shit about him. This is just his lived experience, you know, but because he went through all that, because he had to scrape himself up together again and try and rebuild himself as a person, he was able to bring that level of depth to a screen read for Tony Stark. He was able to be what Jon Favreau was looking for, which was the likable asshole with some really authentic emotional notes in there. Yeah, so there's a pre-production there's a pre-production story where Marvel was really nervous that people weren't gonna uh, know who Iron Man was, and of course they didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? And yeah. A, a lot I have of the no fo- idea. A lot of the focus groups were like, uh, "So is this guy a robot or something like that?" And so yeah. they would have they they shot these very like like very raw scenes where uh, uh, Tony Stark was just just coming out of the suit, and people were like, mm-hmm. "Oh, he's not a robot." Oh, but we really like the guy, we really like Robert Downey Jr. playing this character. Who is he? What's his, right. what's his story? And that's really mm-hmm. what what locked the deal in for Marvel. Good, mm-hmm. because Robert Downey Jr.'s charisma, as we well know now, uh, you know, post Infinity Saga, Robert Downey Jr.'s ca- charisma alone could power that fucking arc reactor. Oh my God! Yeah, he's I mean, ridiculous. I, uh, to me, to me, Robert Downey Jr. playing Tony Stark is at the same level of. Harrison Ford playing either Indiana Jones or Han Solo. There is mm-hmm. no one. There is yeah. no one else that could play that character. Period. Yeah, that's it. It could only be him. I can't mm-hmm. imagine. I can't imagine. Can you imagine if this was Nicolas Cage? Look, I love Nick Cage, but uh, can you imagine if it was Tom Cruise? 
Look, Tom Cruise, here's the thing. Tom Cruise is batshit crazy, but he always does a good job. He does, but 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 it's always it's always a good job. Whereas Robert Downey Jr., like what he brought to this role was beyond a good job. Oh yeah. It's so good. Anyway, um, he approached this role of trying to I have found a quote from him talking about like the whole challenge with playing Tony Stark was trying to find a way to make a wealthy establishmentarian weapons manufacturing, hard drinking, womanizing prick into a character who is likable and a hero. (laughs) And like, yeah, (laughs) good fucking luck, dude. Shit. But he pulled it off. Well, uh, Steph, since we're talking about Iron Man, would you like to know about the comic book origins of Iron Man? Sure. Uh, I would love to hear this. Uh, Iron Man's first appearance was in Tales of Suspense, number 39, March 1963, oh. created by Stan Lee, Larry Lieber, Don Heck, and John, uh, sorry, Jack Kirby. Uh, mm. the, the Tony Stark we see in the movie is the same fucking Tony Stark. <laughs> <laughs> like, like in the past, when we talked about Agent Carter's comic book characters, right. different variations. Uh-uh, this is him. What we get mm-hmm. is what we get. What we get on screen is what's in the comic books. Nice. And I, and I fucking love that. I fucking love it. Mm-hmm. I, I knew nothing about Iron Man uh, I, I before before this movie. Yeah, I knew no. nothing, and so this was. I'm glad to see that they kept um, that experience pure. Yeah, <laughs> that I mean, Tony Stark it, really is this fucking awful. Well, uh, you know, uh, I forgot who who told me, but they were a big Marvel fan. I was hanging out with at the time. They were like, "I've never seen a more pure uh, version of a comic mm-hmm. book character before." So I, I think that 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 speaks volumes. I think Stan Lee was was always the one that would say that Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark, mm-hmm. like, that it could be no one else. Like he got the stamp of approval from everybody. Anyway, uh, was there anything else in the comics? Go on. Uh, that's just for Iron Man. Nice. Okay. So there's really only a couple of points I want to hit before we get to the really, like the fucking, um, the meat of act one, which all goes down in the desert. So you, the, the quote that you called out at the beginning of this episode, Miss Potts. Our introduction to Miss Potts is her presenting the freshly laundered, dry cleaned, and pressed clothes of Tony Stark's hate fuck reporter one night stand, uh, presenting it to her. Now, this reporter is, she's beautiful. And yes, she hate fucked Tony Stark, but like, who wouldn't? Um, but she's clearly brilliant. And I really appreciate that about this script. This reporter knows what she's doing, but she's also a little bit of a bitch and so we have this scene and so uh this movie does not pass the, the bechdel test by the way mm. uh you are familiar with the bechdel test we, we've talked about this and now now i know what it is yes uh so for those of you listeners who may not know the bechdel test is the absolute lowest bar for any piece of media to clear in order to be um friendly to women at all uh and that mm. is to have two women on screen talking about something that is not a man the only time that we have two women on screen in this movie, they are talking about Tony. So not the most feminist film, but okay. Okay. Uh, with the all man creation team, creating team on this, I can see how maybe they would miss any opportunity for nuance here. Um, right. So, and it was yeah. 2008. So, you know, and, and then there's that. Uh, so this reporter's like, mm, Miss Potts, after all these years, Tony still has you picking up the dry cleaning and that's bitchy. So you see, <laughs> you see Pepper absorb that and go, I do anything and everything that Mr. Sark requires, including occasionally taking out the trash. 
And like at the time, it was like, oh, snap, zing, burn. But now this is girl on girl violence that I do not condone. You know, I understand that. At the same time, do you know that that energy she gave? You know who that reminded me of? Hmm. Jarvis from Agent Carter. <laughs> yeah. It did. It yeah. gave me it gave me jar, like jar, real jar, Jarvis energy. I was like, mm, that's nice. Except that Jarvis would never have called a woman trash to her face, which is what she just did. Anna would have. Uh, well, Peggy. No, Peggy wouldn't have. Anna might have. But no, the, mm. see, this is this is the thing. Is, why why is she trash? Is she trash because she fucked how uh, Howard? <laughs> is she trash because she fucked Tony? Is she trash for being a reporter? Is she trash for just being a bitch? Is it all of the above? Why? Why? The only time we have two women speak directly to each other in this movie, must they insult each other? Well, uh, first the of all, any, any human that's disrespectful to me is trash. And, and, and that is Pepper Potts MO. In my, in my opinion, I know I'm a boy, I'm a man. I don't have a, I don't have a leg to stand on in this discussion that you're taking me to, but that's how I read <laughs> it. Uh, you were disrespectful to Pepper Potts and she's a badass, and how fucking dare you. And she's you not going to take it. She's no. not going to take it. Mm-mm. And and I get that. I just, I don't like the way it was done, but I like everything else about this movie. So we're going to move on. The interactions we see from the first interaction between Tony and Pepper. Yes, she works for him. Yes, she is his assistant and has been for years, but he is also madly in love with her. Oh, my God. The fucking Robert Downey Jr. with your big brown eyes. You need to stop it. Right. Stop it. The way he just gazes lovingly at her every time she walks by, every time he happens to see her, his eyes just go all heart-shaped, and it's wonderful. However, he does go immediately from gazing lovingly upon the brilliant creature that is Pepper Potts, played by Gwyneth Paltrow, and I'll get to her in a second, um, to uh, dismissively handing her his, uh, his espresso cup and walking away. Like, he's such a dick. He's a dick, um, but there was a moment where I was like, you know, what what is it about Pepper uh, that uh, Stark loves more than anything? That part where he, like, she's like, hey, this painting's for sale, and he's mm-hmm. like, what would you think? Most people aren't going to give a detailed answer about, like, right. what, what, what era of painting it came from, the cost and all this kind of stuff. Pepper knew that shit by heart, mm-hmm. and that smile that Stark had on his face was like, this bitch is so fucking smart. Yeah, that's the thing is she's brilliant. And that's why he loves her. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Mr. Stark. You're welcome, Ms. Potts. But like when he treats, when he treats her like shit, it reads to me more like a defense mechanism. Like he has to, he has to be somewhat professional with her when he's usually He has to maintain distance. Right. And so he's going to treat her like shit, which I know is bad, but that's what he does. Right. So let's talk about Pepper Potts. Yes. Played by Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow, who has been, you know, she's she's fucking Gwyneth Paltrow. You know who this is. Uh, she's the girl. She's the she's the head in the box in seven. Uh, <laughs> she was other things, too, but she did. What's end up in the being, box? What's in the box? Oh, no. What's in the box? Uh, <laughs> she was Estella in Great Expectations. She's mm. Viola in Shakespeare in Love. She's yeah. uh, in The Talented Mr. Ripley. And I'm just scrolling through her mm-hmm. IMDb at this. Did you know I forgot this? <laughs> she was in Austin Powers in Goldmember. And she played a character by the name of Dixie Normus. I uh, I blocked that out of my memory. 
<laughs> I'm not going to let you forget it now. <laughs> oh, shit. As much as she might like us to forget. Uh, she also is rather famous for selling women rocks to put up their hoo-ha. So there's that. Yeah. Um, well, and men. Oh, is it is it now genderless? You could just, here's a rock, insert it in yourself. Yeah, but I'm not sure why it would keep men tight, but that's a whole other conversation. We it does make. nothing. It's just a rock. She's a snake oil salesman with a very pretty face. But you bought at least one. I did not. Why would I? What? Are you trying to say I have a goop rock? <laughs> or my Are they really called goop rocks? Well, her website is called goop because apparently G-O-O-P are her initials. Goop. Let's move and on. And now I've I, done I, an ad for her and I feel dirty. So let's just move on. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Um, Please sponsor uh, us. So, so he finally gets his, his shit together to, to fly on a plane with a very annoyed roadie. Yeah. Oh, by Ro the way, can we talk mm -hmm. about Pepper Potts comic book version real quick? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. She debuted only a couple issues of Tales of Suspense later, number 45 in September, 1963. Ooh. She was also Stark's assistant in the comic books, but she was also unfortunately treated up like a pinup. There are several issues of this comic book that you can, uh, on, uh, there's a longer page of just, Oh, she's, she's got a centerfold. Yeah. And Great. guess who was, uh, but, at, but when she started working for Stark, Stark in the comic books, she was married to Happy Hogan. Oh, Stark done, done tore that relationship up. So, uh, but uh, and much, much later, she does eventually get her own iron suit, which we're not going to talk about right now. No, 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 no. We'll get to that when but, we get to it. Yeah, that uh, she does become more of a heroic figure. Later. Well, she's she's my hero now, except for that bitchy moment. Right. Um. So, uh, he flies with Rhodey. Rhodey's his best friend, apparently. We think. Um. Briefly, uh, James Rhodes is that his name? James Rhodes. I don't know. Uh, He's James credited as Rhodey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just Rhodey in the credits. Anyway, being played by Terrence Howard, uh, who is best known at this time for, I believe, his Hustle and Flow is what he won the Oscar for. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's why he's the big the big ticket item um, in the cast here. Uh, he will uh, be leaving the MCU after this film <laughs> for reasons that we'll get into later in another movie when we meet his replacement. Uh and he is, but he is best known now as Lucius Lyon from the series Empire. Mm. That's uh, Howard. I, I have personally met him. I do not oh, like yeah? him. I think he's fucking rude and I do not want to talk about him anymore. Okay, cool. Mm. Um, <laughs> so I, I personally don't like him either. It's, mm -hmm. I'm a slut for a good voice, opposite of good voice, opposite of slut, dried up, nipple soft. I can't deal. And he's also kind of homophobic, so. Oh, well, fuck him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fuck him. Anyway, so they they get over to Afghanistan because uh, Tony Stark is doing a weapons presentation of the new Jericho missile, the Stark Industries Jericho missile. And he doesn't give a fuck about this. He's incredibly egotistical about it. He does not care that he is has absolutely, other than just being proud of the sheer destructive potential of the Jericho missile, he has no moral issues about this. I made weapon, I sell weapon to American military. Boom, 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 right? Right. Because, and that is embodied in his whole attitude in his presentation speech. The uh, one where he says, They say the best weapon is one you never have to fire. I respectfully disagree. I prefer 
the weapon you only have to fire once. That's how Dad did it. That's how America does it. And it's worked out pretty well so far. And then he proceeds to level a mountain range. Sure. Uh, he was doing a, uh, uh, I was reading some stuff as apparently he was doing like a, uh, Tony Stark was doing an impression of like a Patton kind of general. Sure. Sure. You mean, you mean general Patton? Yeah. <laughs> well, as in the movie, cause the movie starts off with the, where, where the guy is like having that kind of a, the way he was speaking has a very specific way of enunciating things. And he was doing the impression of that. Okay. I don't know what you're talking about. You've never seen the movie. Have you? Oh, General Patton? Yeah, I yeah. thought you were talking no, about earlier no, in Pat- this movie. The movie Patton. It's called oh, okay. Just Patton. Yeah. Okay, anyway. Anyway. Um, so that's what you? that's what gets gets us caught up to the fucking horror show that we opened this movie with, with right. the, the convoy being attacked and Tony Stark being fucking kidnapped and get sat up in front of a banner while some people speak Arabic around him and rip a bag off of his head and have a camera pointed at him. And y'all here's the thing. If this wasn't a Marvel movie, that man would have been beheaded on YouTube. Yep. Because this is a thing that really happened back in the mid to two thousands in the odds during the Afghanistan war, uh, various factions uh, in presences in that particular theater of war would kidnap people, put up ransom videos of them. And if that ransom didn't get paid, you get beheaded and that video would get put up on YouTube. So that's really a horrifying thing that they're showing here. So once again, don't, don't ever let anybody tell you there's no politics in Marvel. Right. Ever. Absolutely. Yeah. Of course, this group isn't a terrorist group per se, or, uh, a group of warlords. They these are the Ten Rings. Which they are, is, in fact, the Ten which Rings. Which is a callback to several iterations of pre-production where they were originally planning on having the Mandarin be mm-hmm. the villain, and he his organization is the Ten Rings because he has <gasps> the Ten Rings that we will right, find out you. about. Come on, later. I was drinking. I didn't see that. So uh, anyway, so yeah, that's a, a, I like that callback. I like the reference point of that, but we're mm-hmm. not going to talk about any of that shit till we get to Iron Man 3. And then maybe <laughs> change, change, change. And when it becomes more relevant later. But for right now, these are just the people that fucking kidnapped him. And he wakes up and there's a horror show sequence when he wakes up. Oh my up, God. Yeah. Um, with, uh, did you notice that like while he's being like tortured and stuff during his whole, his whole early incarceration here, he keeps hearing Pepper's voice calling his name. I did. Yeah. I have that he notes. loves her so he much. He loves her so much. Oh my but god. He's afraid to tell her because, you know. Because he, a, he there's self-loathing. Anyway. He knows he's there's self-loving. He knows he's a pig. Yeah. yeah. So he got hit with one of his own fucking bombs and he's got a chest full of shrapnel. And there is a doctor there in mm-hmm. in this cave with him who saved his life by hooking by embedding an electromagnet in his chest that is hooked up to a car battery. This man's name is Jensen. We find out. I love out. Jensen so much. So real quick, let me tell you about Jensen. Oh, my. Uh, Jensen is played by an actor by the name of Sean Taub, uh, who is an Iranian-born uh, actor who mostly grew up in Britain. He has done lots of TV. Like, he's a TV that guy. Yeah. Uh, he was in Lois and Clark, The Bold and the Beautiful, Homeland, Scandal, Snowpiercer, and one episode of The Blacklist. Which one? Would you like to know which episode? Yeah. The Ruslan Denisov episode. <gasps> okay. Yeah. I'll say, I say nothing. 
So what? No, I've I don't, seen I don't the even episode. know what part of Blacklist that I don't know what season it falls on, but I know you haven't seen the whole thing, so I'm afraid to say anything. I've seen this episode. I okay, recognize okay. these people. Okay. Regardless, that's the episode. So uh, Jensen is there to um, basically convince Tony to fucking decide to, to choose life and to fucking decide because the Ten Rings want Tony to build the Jericho missile for them, and Tony's not going to fucking do it. Nope. And he's pretty sure he's going to die here, and. This whole experience in this cave is transformative for Tony Stark in more ways than one. And part of that is because of Jensen, right? Oh, I because mean, Jensen instills all of this knowledge and wisdom and perspective into Tony yes. that he's never even had before. Because Jensen and doesn't give a fuck about the fact that he's like this big billionaire boy. Yeah, he could care less. Yeah, he care, get, didn't give two shits. Mm-hmm. So there's a moment that like Tony was ready to just like curl up and die. He didn't care. Cause he was like, they're just going to fucking kill me anyway. So what, what does it matter? Uh, and he's like, this is my legacy is that because this whole place is full of his weapons. This mm-hmm. terrorist cell is using Stark industry weapons and they want him to make more weapons for them. And he's like, I can't do this. This can't be my legacy. And he's, he's talking like, they're probably going to kill me. They're going to kill you. I'll probably be dead in a week. And Jensen is like, well then. Well then. This is a very important week for you, isn't it? I love that. It's so good. And you see the fire just snap to in Tony Stark's eyes and he gets to fucking work. I love it. Fast forward through a bunch of Stark tech bullshit. Uh, for, for those of y'all keeping track of a Stark tech bullshit counter, you may add 112. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a fuck ton everywhere. Yeah. Um, can we uh, talk for a moment about a character that I very much would like to be kidnapped by? Uh, are you talking about Raza? I'm talking about Raza. <laughs> <laughs> that man is fine. He's beautiful. Okay, so Raza is the leader of this particular Ten Ring cell, the mm-hmm. one who wants Tony to build him uh, this weapon. Raza is played by an actor by the name of uh, Farhan Tahir. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's born in LA, but his parents are from Pakistan. Right. Uh, and he's also that guy. He's been in Law and Order, The Practice, NYPD Blue, The West Wing, Supergirl, Prison Break, Scandal, and one episode of The Blacklist. He played Ruslan Denisov. <laughs> Fuck yeah, he did. The same episode as Chantal. <laughs> that episode was so cool, too. Anyway. So good. Uh, <sighs> and uh, I have uh, seen him at uh, Disneyland from far away. And um, oh my. Heather. Look, I, he's a beautiful man. Beautiful man. He's like, a beautiful man. Mm. He's a terrible person in this movie. But he's oh, a beautiful in this man. movie, he's terrible. But it, like I, I've seen interviews with him, and mm-hmm. it's just like, he's so dreamy. Like the way he talks and how he's, he like, he artfully communicates. And he's so poetic. It's just. Oh, look at you fangirling. Oh, I, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm shocked you didn't fangirl either. God damn. I mean, anyway. he's beautiful, but I haven't like hunted down his interviews to gush over how he talks. Like. Yeah. Good, if you watch, uh, if you watch Blacklist on. I was it it wasn't Netflix. It was uh, HBO Max. I, I forget which one, but like there's like behind the scenes stuff and he's in it. And, oh, yeah. okay. Mm. Mm. okay so moving on uh we have basically a stark tech bullshit montage where tony stark here's the thing this is why it's stark tech bullshit tony stark is brilliant uh he is very much his father's son uh as far as as far as just coming up with in all the ways the uh, yeah in every way in the billionaire playboy ridiculousness way but also in the 
coming up with the most ridiculous solution to a problem ways because Tony Stark finds himself incarcerated in a cave in the middle of nowhere and uh, given a lab and all of his own weapons to work with. And so he dismantles them and MacGyvers them into a miniaturized arc reactor. Sure. To sit in the middle of his chest and keep the shrapnel from killing him. Cool. And also he decides, you know what? I'm going to build a mech suit and we're breaking out of here. And like, what? Sure. Who, why not? Who thinks of this? Tony. Tony thinks Tony of Stark. This. Yeah. Son of, son of Howard Stark. Oh my God. <laughs> son of Howard Stark does this. So yeah, he, he builds the first Iron Man suit, the Mark One. Holy shit. And the, and the Mark One arc reactor in this cave. <sighs> With Jensen's help. We do get a lovely sort of sweaty tank top construction montage with Robert Downey Jr. He hit the gym really hard. So I gotta, I, I have to confess something right now. This is going to come to a shock to you. I'm not attracted to Robert Downey Jr. at all. Huh. I at wasn't. All. I wasn't until until this. And like this, this part right here is really the first time where he even pings on attractiveness for me because huh. he's so debauched and and decadent and useless in the first part of the movie that right. that completely robs his big brown eyes and his bubble butt of being in any way attractive to me but now that he is becoming a fucking a, a good man and he's striving and working hard towards a solution and he's and he's giving a shit about other people now he's hot he's a little hot to me and i All like right. Yeah, no, I mean, I understand why people think he's hot and I think he's a great guy. Don't get me mm -hmm. wrong, but I've just never found him attractive. Even now, I don't I don't I, I think he's a great person. I would love to hang out with him and play D&D with him, but I don't <laughs> I can gaze upon him admiringly, but I would never like he also reads as monogamous married to me from the beginning of this movie. Yeah, well, like, yeah, yeah he's banging. He's banging this other chick or whatever. He is Pepper Potts's man. He wants to be Pepper's husband, right? Yes. And so like, that's, that's a no touchy for me. Like, no, I, I, I read monogamy off of this guy, which is weird because he's such a fucking playboy, but no, he reads as monogamous to me. Maybe that's just because of where I'm at having viewed the whole infinity saga up to this point, regardless. Anyway, they're breaking out of the fucking cave. We are over an hour into this and we're not even out of the cave yet. <laughs> I told you. I see. I told you. Shut up. They're breaking, they're breaking out of the cave. They're down to the wire. Uh, suit's trying to power up. Jensen has to go and buy them some time. Mm. So, and of course he fucking dies in the process, right? Of course. And so Jensen gets a ding on the noble sacrifice counter because he gave his life so that Tony could be free. And he, with his dying breaths, when Tony said, thank you, which by the way, is the first time Tony's thanked anybody for anything. In Absolutely. this movie, when Tony said thank you, he told him, "Don't waste, don't waste your life." And that's Tony's. <laughs> I know, and like that's Tony's mission statement for the rest of the Infinity Saga. Uh, can I do a quick shout out to the flamethrowers that uh, Tony uses real quick? <laughs> flamethrowers are great. Very effective. Flame Very effective. Love flamethrowers. Yeah, okay, they're anyway. so good. He uses them to fucking destroy all of the weapons. Yeah in this place. It's awesome. And uh, yeah, he manages to get out of there. He flies. The, the Mark one flies badly, badly. It's very more like, badly. A, it's more like he, he flings himself into the air very high 
and it right. lands in the sand. <laughs> so I'm going to give him a ding on the superhero landing counter for crashing into that sand dune. <laughs> I agree. And just the, the, the fucking suits in pieces and he goes staggering across the desert and Rhodey finds him in a chopper and he's going back home. Hooray. Hooray. Now, this is where I start to realize the dialogue in this movie is so fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. And, and it becomes it, an MCU trademark almost. Right, like when, well, because yeah. it feels so natural. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like, because, you know, all the superhero movies up to this point have been like catchphrases strung together with puns, you know? Right. Like, it's it's been very stilted, very, you know, uh, you know, dance with the devil in the pale moonlight shit. Um, you know, poetic and good, but like clearly I, I, a script. I like that movie. I like it too. I love it, but it's a script. And it is, yeah. when you compare it to this, you really feels almost like, like reality TV, like they're the way everybody's uh, patter flows with each other feels supernatural, not supernatural feels natural, very natural. Super is not always a good article to put in front to, for emphasis. <laughs> Anyway, um, and do you know why this dialogue feels as natural as it does? Why? Because most of it's ad-libbed. Wow, really? The script was not complete when they started filming. So a lot of stuff was ad-libbed, like to the point that really practiced, polished actors like Gwyneth Paltrow and Jeff Bridges, who I'm going to talk about in a minute, really struggled with it. Wow, I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah. Because like Gwyneth Paltrow in particular, like really had a hard time keeping up with Robert Downey Jr. Because oh, she I... like never knew what he was going to say. Wow. And so it it takes a lot to like get yourself. If you are a working actor who is accustomed to being on time, prepared and sober, but you can't prepare because there's no script. Like that's really discombobulating. So they took a little while to adjust to it. I saw a quote from Jeff Bridges <laughs> saying that he eventually just had to tell himself, oh, this is a $200 million student film. And then he was able to just like relax and go with it. <laughs> so, I love that. But yeah, it's a lot of this like quick back and forth that you're seeing. is just everybody vibing with Robert Downey Jr. That's why that's why there's it's so clever and it's so natural. And yes, the the pattern of this film sort of becomes the hallmark of the MCU yeah, of yeah. making these superheroes like people, like talking to people and not talking to, you know, comic book cutouts while doing superhero shit, like real superhero comic book right. shit. That's like, that's the, that's the cool, that's the dynamic of a good MCU film. Absolutely. Yeah. Like yeah, these are, yeah. they, it almost feels relatable, even obtainable. Like yeah. I could also be like, I could, I could, I could be clever. Yeah, I could also I can, be a I can shoot lasers out of my head and also be like, hey, girl, what's up? You know, yeah, yeah, hey, girl, that. Hey. That. yeah totally, hey, girl, totally, totally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so <clears throat> Tony's back and everybody's very emotional about it. Uh, and he's going to, you know, they're like, we're going to get you straight to the hospital. He's like, no, get me a cheeseburger and a press conference. And their product placement time, we get he gets a Burger King. <laughs> Burger they, make King. Sure to, they make sure to flash the the wrapper and everything. I love that. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. You notice he, he so he's eating one as he gets out of the car. Happy hands him a bag where he pulls one more out. He eats that one, and then he pulls another one out of his pocket later. I love that. <laughs> Tony was like burgers, 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 has, burgers, burgers. Well, he, he really hadn't eaten very much food the whole time, right? Yeah, he so. visibly lost weight over yeah. the course of this. Um, so this is, he is greeted at the press conference by Obadiah Stane, mm. 
Obadiah Stane, who has, we've seen him a little bit up to this point. Uh, he's an old friend of Howard Stark's who we haven't seen in Agent Carter. So like, how old a friend could you be? Right. Um, but he's an old friend of Howard Stark's, old friend of the family, business partner, et cetera. And he is played. <sighs> oh my gosh. By Jeff Bridges. I y'all, mean, y'all don't know how much I love Jeff Bridges. I fucking love Jeff Bridges so much. I my early, even. my earliest movie memory. I know I had seen movies before as uh-huh. a little baby, but my earliest, earliest movie memory is watching Tron. Nice. Jeff Bridges plays Flynn. If y'all don't know, and if you haven't mm-hmm. seen Tron. Fuck y'all, go watch it right now. Go do it. Right <laughs> Pause now. this podcast, go watch Tron, then do come it. back. Do it. That's worth like stopping your car for in the middle of the road if you're driving. <laughs> just, just fucking do it. Um, Jeff Bridges, uh, my other favorite movie of all time, which, uh, you know, Steph, you have probably quoted uh, a million <laughs> times, but his portrayal of the dude. In the Big Lebowski. In the Big Lebowski yes. is perfection. <laughs> anyway, I think Jeff. I think Jeff Bridges is like one of the best fucking actors of all time. And He's so goddamn magnificent. Um, yeah. So yeah, Jeff Bridges. Now look, I love Jeff Bridges, and prior to this movie, it was a sweet platonic teddy bear esque sort of love. Really? I never. I I never found him wildly attractive. Oh my god! And maybe Flynn it's because. I'm happy for you. Um, but it, it, it was not for me, but thank you. Um, but maybe it's because the first thing I ever encountered Jeff Bridges in was he was the voice of Prince Lear in The Last Unicorn. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. That's right. He did that. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And um, I was not attracted to Prince Lear. I can be attracted to almost any cartoon, but Prince Lear didn't do it for me. No. Yeah, no. it was the animation style. It's not his fault. Not even anyway. Starman? Starman? No. And that's the thing. Okay, okay, okay. Jeff Bridges has been acting since forever. Oh my God, forever. His very first credited role is as infant at the train station in the 1951 film, The Company She Keeps. Since then, he's made a few movies that you may have heard of. We've mentioned them. Tron, The Last Unicorn, Starman, The Fabulous Baker Boys. Okay, he was hot in that one. Yeah, he was. He, he was real hot in that one. The Fisher King, also hot in that one, actually. Now that I think about okay, I, I'm a liar. I'm, I've been attracted to him a lot. This is this movie's just a whole new look for him. Uh, because Jeff Bridges has always been kind of famous, not just for his voice, but for his hair. Yeah. Just fucking amazing hair, right? Except that now he's grown a beard and he's shaved his hair off. And now I don't want to call yeah, I don't want to call a lot of people daddy. But if Obadiah Stane asked me to call him daddy, I'd call him daddy. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He is daddy. <laughs> I would. Would, would you I like would. to know more about Obadiah Stane? I would love the... to know more about Obadiah Stane's sexy ass. Uh, Obadiah Stane, also known as the Iron Monger, mm. uh, debuted in Iron Man number 163, o- October 1982. His background backstory is very similar to the movie. Friend of friend of Tony's father had a rival company. Eventually, helped Howard run Stark International before he betrayed him, stealing his technology and building mm-hmm. his own iron suit. Nice. I, I, yeah, that's how that's that's what happens. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, John, which is what happens in the movie. John Favreau's uh, ability to take, like, it's interesting because we've we you know with Cap, both Agent Carter and. Uh, Captain Marvel, there were major departures from the original source material. This mm-hmm. movie, not no. really. 
Not, not really. a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, because it, it was their first time out. And I felt like, I feel like maybe they, they didn't want to depart too much from the source material. And of course, how could they one. know in the future? Like they didn't have their, they didn't get their confidence until, until way later. And right. the movies started to get a lot crazier. Like we're mm-hmm. going to be doing a lot of, we're going to be doing a bunch of Marvel movies coming up. Where we're going to be like, eh, it's all right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Okay. So Obadiah Stane's sexy ass is there to meet Tony Stark at this press conference. Um, and, you know, it's the press conference. It's its whole thing. But this is also our first introduction to quiet, soft-spoken, unassuming, but very persistent Agent Phil Coulson. Mm-hmm. I love Clark Gregg so much. We've talked about uh, Clark Gregg before. Yeah, we right? did, we did we the Agent Coulson thing already. Yeah. Um, he, but he is there and bless him. He, he's trying to get an appointment with Pepper Potts. He knows not to try and talk to Tony. That's not going to get him anywhere. He wants to talk to Tony because they want to debrief. And by they, I mean the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division would like to debrief with Tony Stark about the circumstances of his escape. AKA S.H.I.E.L.D. Which we don't <laughs> find out till like the end of the movie. But if you and, do, if you pull the, I mean, yeah, I mean. But when he says it like that, Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division, it's just word salad. Nobody listens to all of that. Yeah, I remember I remember seeing this movie for the second time with a bunch of friends and like half of them hadn't seen it before. So I was sitting there and they, they and Agent Coulson spotted it off. I was uh, my friend was like, wait, what? Like very loudly. And the, mm-hmm. guy, the people up in front of us were like, it's fucking shield. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, so, yeah, uh, he's trying to get an appointment and Pepper's like, OK, but not right now, because Tony is up there eating cheeseburger and announcing. Effective immediately. I am shutting down the weapons manufacturer division. Of Stark International. Which Obadiah is a huge fan of, right? He's just loving it. Yeah, no, he's not no. scrambling to do damage control right now in front of the press. And like, how the fuck the why the hell the what are you doing? <sighs> Anyway, uh, so that happened. And that effectively for me is the end of act one. Yeah. We are over an hour into this podcast. It's the end of act one. I'm so glad that we decided to condense and not cover every single little thing. This is my fault. I blame myself. Podcast listeners, can you please take note that uh, I am just sitting here looking pretty and watching Stephanie uh, not embrace who she really is. Okay. So tell me about act two, Chris. Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. Do you have any idea where we might want to go from here? What the further structure is this a dumb, I, How many uh, we we this is a reoccurring theme on this show. I'm just saying I am a dumb it bitch. It must be so relaxing to be the dumb bitch on the show. It is. It must be Thank you. Yes, goddamn it is. Delightful. It is fucking wonderful. It is fucking wonderful. So <laughs> act uh, so act two, uh, you know, uh Obadiah is like holy fuck, go home, stay <laughs> Keep a low profile. Don't fucking go outside. Don't fucking talk to anybody. So what does Tony do? He goes uh, ahead and starts experimenting. Well, yeah, but he stay at least he's staying home. There is one one moment that I thought was noteworthy where Tony's like, so that went well. Yeah. And and Obadiah's like, no, no, we're going to lose all the money ever. Everything is going to fall apart. Don't you understand? We make weapons. And he says, we're iron mongers. It's what we do. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah. Ironmonger, get it, get it. Okay. So I took um, uh, just just because I was curious, forty percent of stock loss. If you were to take our highest earning publicly traded uh, defense contracting company, United States, uh, they basically lost 
uh, $625 billion. Oh, God. <laughs> because Tony felt like it. Well, because he's the merchant of death. He's the most mm -hmm. famous mass murderer in America, according to his kidnappers. Like, fuck, man. Yeah. I, I mean, people got laid off for that press conference. Weapons make money. Yeah, they do. Okay. So um, Tony's tinkering at home, and then we get the pepper, how big are your hands scene. Which I almost fucking used that line, but I, I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, he radios her upstairs where she's watching Mad Money. You remember Mad Money? Um, it's still on, unfortunately. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, fuck that guy. He's always, he's again, like what annoys me about the news is that if you're wrong, you should no longer be doing the news, but mm -hmm. we don't do that anymore. So anyway, Jim Crane. No, accountability, schmaccountability. Oh, anyway. Fucking loser. Tony radios up to Pepper asking her how big her hands are because he needs to swap out his arc reactor. Yeah, for a better one. This is such a great, this is such a fucking classic, iconic scene of this movie. And I just, I love it where Tony's laying there and she's got to like reach down into his chest. Right. Into the hole in his chest. And she's like, oh, it's pus. And he's like, no, it's not pus. It is an inorganic gel byproduct. It's not for my body. Would you just... And she's basically playing operation with trying to get the wire. Which out of doesn't his work chest. out, yeah. It doesn't no, he, no, she zaps him. She zaps him real good. Um, and of course they did that by having the fake chest on the thing, and then Robert Downey Jr. is like underneath it. Yeah. On this chair. Because it's a much thinner chest. They clearly made this fake chest before he hit the gym. Right. Uh, and this is 2008 where you can't like redigitize everything. You just kind of right. had to work with it. Yeah. The vast majority of, of a lot of the effects, anything that people are interacting with, where it's not just like a suit flying around on the screen, it's practical. It's, it's practical effects. Yeah, yeah. This is mostly a practical effects movie, which is insane, by the way. Yeah. yeah. I fucking love that. Mm -hmm. And so you get moments like where the chest doesn't quite match, but you also get Robert Downey Jr. laughing up uh, at Gwyneth Paltrow having to reach into his chest and get her hands all slimy <laughs> with whatever's in there. Uh, so that's great. But he, she's like, don't ask me to ever do anything like that again. And he just looks up at her and goes, I, I don't have anyone but you. And he doesn't. And see, she's th it. This, is, this is, Tony went through all this trauma. He almost died. Before this, he was probably afraid to open up to her and be vulnerable mm -hmm. to her because he respects and loves her so much. He doesn't want to like put himself through any, he doesn't want to risk it. He doesn't want to through any pain. Right. Now he's on the other side of that. He's just going to, he's taking more chances. He's going to open up to her more. And this is what he's allows just, him. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's just, he's just being honest. Like, At this point, finally. Yeah. She's all he's got. Like he doesn't and, have family. And, it's her and happy. That's it. Yeah. Happy's not a big a big factor in this movie as He's he is not. in Iron Man 2. Yeah. Happy, by the way, played by John Favre. Okay. Yeah. We'll um, talk about Happy next next Iron Man. Right. Uh, I have in my notes here, Rhodey is kind of the worst, to be honest. Yeah, it's right yeah. there. Yeah, Rhodey's an asshole in, in this movie. That's why I, I, Terrence Howard, I never, I, I literally don't understand why he won an Oscar, but that's a different issue. Uh, you know what? That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, uh, yeah, Tony asked for, for Rhodey's help. Mm -hmm. And Rhodey blows like, him off and tells him to go start making me more money. Yeah, which, basically. Fuck you, dude. Yeah. Uh, so Tony does. So Tony goes back to his lab. He's like, "Fuck it, I'm going to do it by myself." And he he has already an improved arc reactor in his chest, which can pump out a shit ton more power. Uh -huh. Probably more power than he realizes, which we find out. Um, and he decides he's going to take his suit idea and build a better one. 
Right. And he's working with Jarvis on this. Uh, Jarvis, by the way, who is being uh, voiced by Paul Bettany. Hmm. Um, Here's the thing. Paul Bettany, at the time that this movie was being made, he had no idea what the movie was. Mm-hmm. He he did this as a favor to John Favreau because they worked together on Wimbledon. <laughs> uh, he had no idea what was going on. Uh, he recorded all of his lines for this movie in two hours, collected his paycheck, and went on vacation. And yeah, and now and now he has one of the most iconic voices. In oh the MCU. my god! But. Yeah. Before this movie, uh, you you guys know who Paul Bettany is. He was in A Knight's Tale. He was in A Beautiful Mind, Master and Commander, The Da Vinci Code, in Wimbledon with John Favreau. Uh, and he is playing Jarvis, which is an acronym mm-hmm. for just a rather very intelligent system. Mm-hmm. And Jarvis is an artificial intelligence and not a butler, as was the original intention for Jarvis to actually be Jarvis, Howard Stark's old butler still around but they didn't want there to be that alfred pennyworth comparison right so they made it a, they made it they made it an ai and we love jarvis of course oh jarvis, my God. Will, uh, jarvis uh infused with an infinity stone will become vision uh, oh yeah but we will get to that when we get there when we get there yeah so when they start when he starts this project and tony starts tinkering with it jarvis is like do you want me to save this on the stark industry servers and Tony's nope. like mm, no and he says something that I think is very telling he says I don't want this ending up in the wrong hands maybe in mine it can actually do some good hmm. so Which he's already great. starting not to trust uh people at his own company exactly oh by the way Jarvis is a ding on the Stark Tech bullshit oh I, oh that's uh, Jarvis I, I, on his own <laughs> like I said 100 112 112 yes yeah. um but yeah this is where Tony is not only starting to not trust his own company he also is starting to get become paranoid and only trust himself. Yep. And that is also a PTSD reaction. And that is also something that we will see evolve tragically over the next couple of, over the next couple of movies for him. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also an ego thing. Uh, we talked about this during agent Carter, fucking brilliant people don't trust anybody else to be as smart as them. The only person right now that Tony Stark trusts to be as smart as him is pepper. Yep. I agree so. with that. There you go. I agree with um, that. Anyway, he builds his first suit. It doesn't really work out the at first. Suit. He, the second he tri- suit. The second suit. He tries mm-hmm. out the jet propulsion system, kind of gets hurt a whole bunch. Okay. Can we talk about the real MVP of the entire suit building process? Are we going to talk about Dummy? We're going to talk about Dummy. I love Dummy so much. <laughs> I don't know how this idiotic, articulated, grabby arm thing that Tony Stark has there is my favorite character in this movie, but I fucking love dummy. <laughs> so let me tell you, let me tell you about dummy. Uh, oh, so, do. Oh yeah. So uh, a family member of mine got to work on Spider-Man two mm-hmm. and uh, Sam Raimi had an idea. Wouldn't it be nice if uh, the doc, doc, Ock arms had kind of their own personality. Like each, each, each one of the four arms has like a different unique way they move and they oh, okay. interact with them. Uh, so John Favreau loved that work so much that they hired this team of people, including my family member, to do the work for the arms. Oh, and that's du- awesome. And Dummy was an accident. Dummy, uh, one of the arms just didn't fucking work. And, <laughs> and, and just like you said, the improvisational genius of Robert Downey Jr., uh, they just went with it, and now Dummy was born. For lack of a better option, Dummy is still on fire safety. If you douse me again, and I'm not on fire, I'm donating you to City College. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Dummy is the best. 
Yeah. Uh, some of the best comedic timing in this movie is between Robert Downey Jr. and a robot arm. Uh, yeah, a, fa- a, so a, a, pu- a puppet arm. The actual arms are made of plastic, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I fucking love. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, the montage of, of Robert Downey Jr. Uh, I'm sorry, Tony Stark. Tony Stark. Uh, it's hard building. to separate the two. It's, it's really Because it, they're one and the same, right? Yeah. Uh, Tony Stark is building his armor. Meanwhile, we get like flashback, sequ- well, not flashback, but cutaway sequences to the 10 rings in Afghanistan, finding right. Tony's armor and them reconstructing that from uh, from scratch and mm-hmm. that that back and forth happens for a bit until finally uh tony has his his uh new suit all silver and yeah this is the mark ii i believe the mark ii and it is fully shiny silver eerily uh eerily reminding me of ultron but we're not there yet we're not there yet but that is yeah. definitely the uh yeah that's definitely the call that that's that was my in my notes as well it's like it's weird to see the suit because it looks right. like ultron yeah yeah, uh, it's but it looks it looks like a prototype. It looks very shiny and new. Like right. this is again Star Trek bullshit. The whole all of the Iron Man suits are Star Trek bullshit. Because who the them. fuck else would think of this? Absolutely. But he gets interrupted because Obadiah shows up. <sighs> yeah, and a he's pizza. he's uh, yeah he brought pizza from New York, and he, the board of directors is convinced that Tony has become a crazy shut in and has PTSD, and they're trying to lock him out of his own company. Okay. Tony doesn't have time for that shit. And he's going back to the lab. He's eating. He grabs a slice of pizza and continues his work. Yeah. But that's very important information is the only reason I even bothered to mention it because now we have the first flight of the Iron Man suit of the yeah. Mark II. Yeah. So Tony goes a little crazy. Let's say Jarvis <laughs> even says something like, uh, sir, we have all these calculations and Tony's like, yeah, fucking whatever. Boom. Yeah. And uh, he's like, I need to kick the tires. Let's go. And yeah. He's, they go and they and he just fucking woohoo's it up and has here's the thing the way this is always this is always intrigued me about the iron man suit the way the propulsion on this thing is set up right it's in the bottoms of his feet and the flight stabilizers are in his hands right so the sheer gluteus maximus strength required <laughs> the quads on this man to be able to hold feet that have that kind of energy coming out of the bottom of them beneath him in it consistently, because if he just relaxes and like his feet get a little separated, where are you going? What are you going to do? What will you tumble out of the sky? Like the Iron Man flying pose has got to be difficult to hold. Yeah. Got to have uh, some, uh, very powerful groin muscles, you know? Yeah. Like all mm-hmm. of it, like the core, everything, like no all wonder he's, no wonder he's so fit. Mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. flying in the suit but there's a lot there's a lot of just the basic physics of the flying that he does that we're going to ignore like the number of g's that his body would be pulling at the at the speeds he's flying oh, right. the suit the suit takes care of it start tech bullshit sure. fast and furious marvel we just move on right you just have, you just have, to, you have to let flying- it go Including flying high up into the sky to try to break some kind of like elevation record. Altitude record, yeah. Altitude record and it ends up freezing the suit, which would, you know, technically cause instant hypothermia, but whatever. Uh, uh, we he, have to assume that there's some degree of insulation. Sure, sure, sure. And yeah, he falls you, out of the sky. 
if you fly up high enough, you collect ice all over and it sure. fucks up your suit and you fall out of the sky and you barely managed to break off enough ice to be able to catch yourself and not die. And that was like the most fun he's ever had. By the way, this whole sequence is also the first time we get the iconic super tight close up on Tony inside the suit shot. Yes. The, 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 the with suit the, view. With the, with the HUD. The heads up yep. display pops up and everything. Yep. Yeah. The suit view shot. It's so cool. It's so fucking cool to see like, oh, this is the first time. Uh, um, but, but my favorite moment of this whole sequence was the very, very end. <laughs> he's going to he's going to softly land on top of his house. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, the suit's, no, that suit's heavy. heavy. <laughs> yeah. so he falls through like four stories to like land on top of one of his more expensive cars. And, and, du- and dummy. <laughs> dummy. <laughs> dummy sprays him with a fire extinguisher because that's his fucking job. Yep. Good job, buddy. Yeah, the uh the roof of your Malibu mansion was never meant to to hold an Iron Man suit. Tell no. me. Good job, good job. I do like that he fucks up sometimes. That's good for I me. do that. I, I like that too. I like that too. Um, and then I think shortly after this is where uh Pepper leaves a package on his desk and he opens it and it's she got his original arc reactor yeah. set in a little thing and it says proof that Tony Stark has a heart. Oh, I know he thought it was adorable too. Um, and let's see, uh, he makes some changes to the, to the design. We're already on Mark three. Oh yeah. Uh, Jarvis uh, comes up with a paint concept that where the suit is all gold. And well, no, the gold is actually, um, a satellite alloy. Oh, okay. Uh, that, because he says, you know, Tony's like, okay, fine. Get the, uh, the gold alloy from this particular satellite that fixes the icing issue. Right using the gold metal for the suit will keep him from icing over at high altitudes. But then Tony's like, that's a little ostentatious to Jarvis. And Jarvis uh-huh. is like, yes, because you're so known for being discreet. It, or right. something like that. And then Tony's like, yeah, throw a little hot rod red on there. <laughs> Jarvis <laughs> is like, yeah, absolutely. It's that, subtle, that's, that'll, that'll be very subtle, sir. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but while all of this is going on, he realizes there's a benefit. There's a fancy dinner party going on in his name that he didn't miss the invitation to because he never got it. Mm. And so he goes and crashes his own fucking party. Right. And he gets there. And did you see Obadiah's <laughs> reaction to him showing up? He did not like it. He was not happy with that. Mm-hmm. And I believe this is because Obadiah deliberately did not invite Tony because he's trying to continue and perpetuate this image of Tony as a crazy shut in who has never even shown his face in public. Correct. And so that's the image he's trying to project. So when Tony shows up looking fit and happy and and being a pain in the ass at this party, Obadiah is like, God damn it. Yeah. God so it. Uh, during this party, uh, you know, Tony has an awesome scene with Pepper where Tony's finally <laughs> opening up to her and Pepper gets damn close to kissing him. And she's uh-huh. like, I need a vodka martini right now. You know, with, like, with olives, with like lots of olives, all, lots of olives, which, by the way, that's my drink, too. I, I feel you, yeah. girl. And uh, olives, mm, olives. Mm, um, and also Colson makes another attempt yeah. to try to, well, and here's the thing. He's tr- Colson's trying to talk to Tony. Uh, and he's like, Colson's like, you know what? Why don't we just get an appointment on the books? How about this date at this time? And Tony's like, yeah, sure. You know what? Whatever. Cause he's distracted by the sight of pepper pots in a fabulous dress. Um, she's hot. So, yeah. So that the appointment is set with the strategic homeland, word salad people. So yeah. that plot point. Um, but then the bitchy reporter arrives. Yeah. Remember the bitchy one night stand reporter whose name yeah. I can't remember, which probably makes me a bad feminist. Anyway. Christine. Um, thank you, Christine. <laughs> yeah, because it's 
<laughs> I'm just as bad as Tony. <laughs> Tony's like, uh, what's your name? Because <laughs> he was like, Crystal, Chrissy, Christine. Christine. Yeah. Anyway, she's like, so I thought you were shutting down all weapons production because they're the town of Golmira, which, by the way, is Jensen's whole hometown. Right. Golmira. The town of Golmira is fucking full of weapons right now. Your weapons. Here's these photos. So Tony goes to confront Obadiah. And Obadiah is like, let's take some photos. Yeah. We're going to pose for these people. And then he tells him, I'm the one who's locked you out. <gasps> yeah. It was Obadiah all along. But yeah, he locked him out of the board. He filed the injunction. And yes, he is dealing weapons to the Ten Rings. So fuck you. Goodbye. Oh, and Tony do, just bitch? stands there in fucking shock. Yeah. Because there's nothing. There's nothing he can do about it. Or is there? Or is there? Dun, dun, dun. Because what do you what, what are you going to do? You have this hot rod red and gold fucking super suit. And you've realized that your flight stabilizers are actually really good projectile weapons. Oops. Uh, <laughs> so he does what any sensible man would do. He puts on a super suit and then flies to the other side of the planet. So I did my, I did some math. If he, Me too. <laughs> if he could do supersonic speeds, let's assume Mach one. Uh huh. That's like a hour and a half trip, right? Oh, I don't know. It's a 15 hour flight by normal means. Right. So is he peeing in that suit? Oh yeah. No, that's actually, I think addressed in Iron Man two. Or oh, three? Right. I yeah. forgot about that. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. mystery But solved. like my concern was like if it's gonna be, you know, a double digit hour flight, how are you sleeping? Right. Are you sleeping? Do you have a caffeine injector? A, a, like a pipette? Tony Stark doesn't a little, uh, a little doesn't sig- I don't think he's a good sleeper. Uh, yeah, no, he does there. not str- he strikes me as a mad scientist. They don't tend to sleep. Yeah. Um but yeah, he fucking flies to the other side of the planet and we see, you know, all of these uh, poor innocent villagers being absolutely menaced by the same people who kidnapped Tony, right? Everything is awful in this scenario. And boom, right in the middle of it, full superhero landing is the Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he goes- cuts fucking loose. And it's awesome. And by the way, y'all, this is our first like taste of like a real Marvel superhero doing Marvel superhero uh-huh. shit. Because as much as I love Spider Man, and I lo- and well, and, and, and as much and as I love Captain America, well, but, Captain America but, but we yet. hadn't. Oh, that's right, we hadn't even seen those movies yet. No, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like Spider Man, Spider Man movies, like they were great, but but Spider Man never really cut loose per se, in my opinion. Um, and you know, the, then there's the X Men movies, which. Yeah. Anyway, so do you know what uh, happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning? I'm not. I'm not talking to you now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 like seeing this dude like like blast out plasma rays and shoot missiles that go every which way. It and he's definitely killing these guys. He's definitely murdering people too. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. And we get the like the sexy walking away from the explosion shot. Yeah. Okay, cool. I gotta say, as as cute and and I do think he's cute, as cute as I think Tony Stark is, the Iron Man suit is hot. The suit stays on. Yeah, the suit. <laughs> <laughs> you telling me you can't work out some attachments? You're Tony fucking Stark. Come right? on now. Come on now. Oh my God, Stark Tech bullshit. Sex toys. Holy shit. <gasps> 
You tell me Stark Industries doesn't have a sex toys division, an adult entertainment division. They totally do. I totally do. Well, they need to now. Anyway, um, it's a really great shot. The walking yeah. away from the explosion. It's good. It's really good. Anyway, he fucking takes out everything. He destroys mm-hmm. the entire weapons depot. He leaves one particular guy to be torn apart by the villagers. Like he just wrecks fucking shop and then he's flying away. But the military has been alerted. Yeah, because there's a fucking flying object that's blasting missiles and shit out, and they're tracking him now. Uh, yeah. Rhodes, Rhodes gets called in because he's the weapons specialist guy, oh, and Rhodes shit. is like, I don't know who the fuck this shit is. <laughs> right, can you hold on one second? I think the Flurkin is actually here now. One moment. Okay, the Flurkin. Hi. I know I'm so sorry. I know it's my bad. Oh, I'm a terrible person. Daniel. Oh, the Flurkin. Mm-hmm. Talk to the people. It. <laughs> That's right. Aww. She mad right into the mic. It was cute. <laughs> yeah, it's my girl. Okay, so the flurkin is here. Anyway, so where were we? We were up, up in the sky with Iron yeah. Man being chased by fighter jets. Yeah. And Rhodey's like suspicious. And eventually, <laughs> uh, because Tony is being fired upon by the American military, who are not slouches in their own right, nope. uh, he <laughs> has to hide by clinging to the bottom of one of the fighter jets and calls Rhodey. And he's like, it's me. It's me. It's me. I'm in the suit. They're shooting at me. <laughs> you need to tell them to stop shooting at me. And so I would like to call this a ding on the action sequence on top of a vehicle counter. (laughs) Because, yes, he's technically clinging to the bottom of a jet, but they're so far up in the sky. He's riding. He's he's holding on for dear life, that's for sure. I think think it counts. I think it counts. I agree. Um, So, by the way, when he calls Rhodey, the ringtone uh, on Rhodey's phone is the 1966 Iron Man cartoon show theme. That's song. badass. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> like, oh, MCU, you're so cute. Anyway, uh, so Rhodey manages to cover for him. He gets him out of that situation. And Tony goes home mm-hmm. and has easily the most iconic scene from this movie. Oh, really? Where he's being like all of the arms are trying to get him out of the suit. Now, here's the thing. Again, practical effects. Robert Downey Jr. standing there in the suit is Robert Downey Jr. standing there in many of the pieces of this suit. He did do a lot of mocap for this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he would wear like the chest or the arms or the boots of the suit so that he would move his body appropriately. But there are a couple of shots later on when he's fighting um, so-and-so uh, where he's in the suit. He's in a practical version of the Iron Man suit. That suit has about 450 pieces. Jesus. Yeah. So this whole thing where the robots are having a hard time getting him out of it, that's not far off of reality. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. And so classic Pepper walks in and catches him with a bunch of robots trying to get him out of an armored suit. He looks at her and goes, let's face it. This is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. (laughs) I love him. And did you notice behind him on the table is Captain America's shield? Yeah, I did. Which it's not the cap shield because the cap shield is buried in the ice with cap right now. Right. It is, it is a prototype. Uh, and so I think it's like something that he got out of dad's attic 
I, I, or something. Well, and also remember, Captain America is still like a celebrity. There's still Captain America mm-hmm. trading cards. One has to assume there are for sale replica shields. Not obviously not made of. Well, but Tony doesn't have a replica shield. Howard Stark's son does not have a replica shield. No, he, he probably has. A has he has a straight-up yeah, prototype. It is not an adamant, adamantium, not adamantium, vibranium. God. Vibranium, because remember, it's adamantium's this... owned by 20th Century Fox. Yeah, my bad. Um, oh my god! It's not made of vibranium, like it can't be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Cap Shield is there. I thought that was great. Anyway, uh, and so the Iron Man is born. He's he goes out in the world and he does superhero shit. We have a superhero. We have an Iron Man. End of Act Two. Yeah. Okay. But when you have a hero, what else do you need? You need a villain. You need a villain. I have titled Act Three. Okay. Oh, my. So Act One was Intro to Tony Stark. Act Two, I call that uh, the birth of Iron Man. Act Three, why is sexy Jeff Bridges being so mean? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Because gosh. he is so mean. Act he three mean. kicks off with Obadiah Stane meeting with the Ten Rings and being like, if you'd have fucking killed him when I told you to, then, then we wouldn't have any problems right now because but, Tony Stark would be fucking dead. But you didn't. You fuck with the raw motherfucker. So yeah, yeah. so he, he shows up because they were like, because my my boyfriend Raza was like, hey, I'll give you the iron suit that we recovered from the desert for free if you give me more shit. And right. Obadiah's like, ah, ha, 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 ha. no. Yeah, like their business relationship has clearly soured because oh, yeah. Obadiah tried to pay them on the cheap to kill Tony. But when they didn't kill him, they found out who he was. And so they wanted more money. So these guys are not dealing well with each other anyway. So yeah, Obadiah, you're right. He, he paralyzes Raza with this like device that makes like a high-pitched noise and it fucks yeah. with your ears and it paralyzes you. Stark tech bullshit. Oh, sure. Absolutely. 100%. But it's temporary paralysis. Don't worry. Raza will be fine. Assuming he survives all the bullets that Obadiah's guards are going to be flinging in his direction. Most of them are dead. Yeah. No, everybody dies. But here's the the funny part. If uh, Obadiah had survived this movie, he would not survive the MCU. Because he murdered a bunch of Ten Ring people. Oh, yeah, that's true. They'd find him. There's no fucking chance he would have survived. Anyway. um, Anyway. But yeah, um, Obadiah is on a fucking rampage. So yeah, he he uh, then there's a scene where he goes back to Stark Industries and his scientists are like, "Sir, we can't do what you want us to do. We can't miniaturize this thing because we're not Tony Stark." Mm-hmm. And Obadiah is like, "God, do I have to do everything myself?" And he does. He rushes over to Tony's fucking house, sneaks in. Baby, you jumped a bunch of stuff. Fuck yeah, I did. Stop. It's important Wait. stuff you can't. What did I what did I skip? Uh, uh you skipped the part where Tony's like, hey Pepper, will you go to Stark Industries oh, and hack shit. into the mainframe and find all the evidence? After. You're right, you're right. No, nope, that's happening right now. Um so back it up. Rewind. Let's I know rewind. rewind. Right. I know I it's getting late, but we we gotta cover these things. So yeah, uh Tony's like, hey Pepper, take this fucking magical thumb drive uh and go break into the mainframe and get all this this information. He wants to know where all of the weapons that Stark Industries has been selling have gone because he intends to personally go destroy them all. And so Pepper doesn't want to help him because he'll just get himself killed. Right. And this, and is, a, by, this is a dynamic that it will persist all yes. the way to the end. 
Right. Exactly. And he's like, are you kidding me? And he says, you stood by my side all these years while I reaped the benefits of destruction. And now that I'm trying to protect the people that I put in harm's way, you're going to walk out. Yeah. Because she threatened to quit. Yeah. And he's just like, look, I'm not crazy. I just finally know what I have to do. She's like, I don't want you to die, though. Yeah. But he, you know, gets all big brown eyes at her. Uh. And she finally agrees to do it. But she cautions him to be safe. And she says, you're all I have to, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I love them. I think I I was skipping the scene out of self-defense because now I'm sad. Okay. Because Uh, he's dead now. Pepper, yeah, well, Pepper goes to Stark Industries. She hacks to the thing. She finds all the evidence of everything Obadiah's been doing, including the ransom video from the Ten Rings. Remember what? that? Yes. From way back at the beginning? Turns out that video was sent to Obadiah Stane. And Obadiah Stane's not an idiot. He knows she's in there. and He's like mm-hmm. trying to figure out what she's doing. She manages to get out, but not before he's figured out what she found. Mm-hmm. But she happens to be leaving in the company of... Phil Coulson from the Strategic Homeland something, something, something division. <laughs> Who's waiting in the waiting room downstairs. Because he had an appointment. Right. Um, uh, a quick, uh, oh, another Dean on the hard liquor counter, because Obadiah oh, yeah. says it Stark gets all the best stuff, you know. It's true. It's true. And then after that, while Obadiah, because he's pissed. Because now the cat's out of the bag and he's in a race against the clock here. And of course, he's got his fucking dudes in Sector 16 trying to build him, obviously trying to replicate the fucking Iron Man suit, right? Right. But they can build everything except the goddamn power source. They just can't do that. And and that's when he, Obadiah Stane, has his big old temper tantrum about it. Oh, huge temper tantrum. Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave. With a box of scraps! (laughs) And the scientist says, Well, I'm sorry. I'm not Tony Stark. He's not. No one. Who is? Who is? So would you like to know who's playing that scientist who's not Tony Stark? (gasps) I, I, who? That is Peter Billingsley. Do you know who Peter Billingsley is? I don't know who that is. You do. You just don't know that you know. I'm okay. covering well because I'm trying to, I'm lost in my notes. I'm trying to find his name. <laughs> Shit. Where'd he go? There he is. Okay. So that character has a name for some fucking reason. That character's name is William Ginter Riva. Don't ask me why. He's the I'm not Tony Stark scientist. Played by Peter Billingsley. Do you remember? Do you remember? There is a heartwarming Christmas movie called A Christmas Story. <sighs> you know, the You'll Shoot Your Eye Out Kid movie? No, that's him. He's Ralphie Parker from A Christmas Story. What? Yes. He was also apparently uh, in the movie Elf, which was directed by John Favreau. He played a character named Ming Ming. I don't know. I've never seen the movie. What? The majority of Peter Billingsley's career post being a child actor has been as a producer. He's produced an awful fucking lot, including this movie. I mean, the, I mean, the royalties he's made alone on A Christmas Story is yeah. unreal. So he is the ex- one of the executive producers on Iron Man. Yeah. And wow. also he's Ralphie Parker and he's going to shoot his eye out with a BB gun and he's not Tony Stark. <laughs> Peter wow. Billingsley, everyone. Peter Billingsley. There you go. Okay, so then what happened? <laughs> yeah, so anyway, so Obadiah decides he needs the arc. 
so he's gonna get it from Tony. Uh, so he does uh, break <sighs> he does break into Tony's house and yep. paralyzes Tony and basically does the evil thing. Uh, yeah, they, it's um, it's in my notes. Full on villain monologue time. Full on villain monologue time. Should villain monologue be a counter at this point? I think that's going to be every movie, though. That's true. Okay, like that's a right. foregone conclusion. A, but I mean, if we want, yeah, sure. Ding on the villain no, monologue. That's fine. It's fine. We don't need to do it. But it's, like we already just, had one in Captain Marvel too. Like it's a given. It's a yeah, given. It's a given. It's a given. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so yeah, so he takes the he takes the arc, and Tony is dying because he's, he's dying because without the magnetism of the arc reactor, the shrapnel is moving into his heart. And so but Tony, did you see? Did you see though? Credit. Credit to Robert Downey Jr. With unable to move anything on his face but his eyes, somehow managed to convey the sudden spike of adrenaline and horror when Obadiah mentioned that he's going to go kill Pepper now. I know he did. <laughs> I really would have preferred her to be alive. Uh huh. Oh, well, you know, uh, 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 Glenn, why are you so evil? Anyway. <laughs> the dude uh, yeah. this is very undude of you right but uh, <laughs> anyway but luckily tony uh, well luckily pepper fuck yeah earlier in the movie earlier in the movie yeah, earlier in the movie pepper wanted uh, pepper wanted to keep the heart but mm -hmm. the, the original arc and tony was like no incinerate it but she didn't yeah. she, she gave did it she, she she gave it to him Mm -hmm. And with the proof that Tony Stark has a heart thing, so he now he knows where he has a spare arc reactor. And like motherfucker, you really didn't. You have two whole ass Iron Man suits. It didn't occur to you to make another arc reactor, just like a backup. Nah, nah I mean, he, he doesn't he make do that? that mistake again, mind you. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. He will not be making that mistake again. Uh, but like Pepper calls Rhodey and sends Rhodey over there to find him and stuff, and he's staggering down into his lab, and he gets almost all the way to the thing but he can't grab it off of the table and he collapses to the ground but who fetches it for him fucking dummy fucking dummy <laughs> i love dummy so much dummy's the real hero of this movie y'all fuck yeah. iron man yeah fuck iron. <laughs> this should be the dummy, dummy for the life dummy movie it's yeah. the dummy movie it's a dummy movie for real anyway he pops it in his chest and he's uh off to the races yeah as it were He's going to go confront Obadiah. Meanwhile, Pepper with the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. Hello. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's like, you know what? I like a government agency. Yeah, yeah fuck let's it. do this. Uh, yeah. They go to Section 16, which is where Obadiah is building his beast of a fucking iron suit, which is oh. way too many weapons on it. Uh, and yeah, and there is a cool part where uh, Pepper is like, oh, my pass won't work. And Coulson's like, I got a thing. She's like, oh, will this pop the lock open, blah, blah. He's like, uh, uh, no, stand back. This is yeah, a, this it's a fucking bomb. bomb. Well, um, and did you see the way, like, he's they, he steps everybody back uh, and he gets Pepper <laughs> in front of him and then he just stands calmly with his back towards the thing that's about to explode yeah. and crosses his arms? Yeah. That moment happens repeatedly in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I love that. Like, that's just how Coulson handles having to blow up a door. He just turns around, folds his arms. Yeah, so they they go in, and lo and behold, there is a fucking monster in, in the room. Because <laughs> that's the only way I could describe it. It's the Iron Monger suit. Would you yeah. like to know a little bit about the Iron Monger suit? Sure. So here's the thing. This is a practical effect. It, it is. 
they don't like for the fighting and for the flying and stuff that's going to happen in a little bit. Yes, that is CG. But the this scene right here where Gwyneth Paltrow is gazing up and dawning horror at the behemoth of a suit that is coming out of the shadows at her. That's really happening. The And it's called the Ironmonger suit. He's never referred to as Ironmonger in the movie. No, never. That's never. not a thing. He's yeah. credited, I think, in IMDb, but that's about it. Uh, no, he's credited as Obadiah Stane. Yeah, but in slash Iron. Well, that's how I got the name. I was like, oh, he's Ironmonger. Who's that? Mm. That's anyway, how I got it. Um, so the Ironmonger suit is a 10 foot tall, 800 pound animatronic puppet. God damn. And it is being operated by five different people. Holy shit. All together. Just for these scenes and the close-ups um, and like where uh, Obadiah is sitting in it, he's actually sitting in a chassis. He's not sitting in the full animatronic, but he's sitting in like a chassis thing. So yeah, this is this is a hell of a thing. Like back when practical effects were a thing in the MCU. Because I mean, if that movie was made now, It'd then be all digital. it would be entirely it would, digital. I mean, it's just, it's in a way more humane to do it like digital, you know? What do you mean by I, humane? Well, I don't think it's fun sitting in that chassis with being operated by like five different people. If you're a fucking actor, fine, he's fine. Anyway, uh, he uh, 100% points one of his fucking Gatling guns at Pepper and says, "Your services are no longer required." I hate (laughs) hate that. Hate that. Oh Jesus! No, nobody's having more fun than Obadiah Stane right now. He fucking loves this suit. He does. He's on a power trip. For sure. Anyway, uh, yeah, so Tony, of course, is trying his best to get there, but the old arc reactor in his chest is not meant for this. It was never meant for sustained flight. It was never meant for repulsors, any of this shit. So it does not have enough power to do this. And so I love that tension in this fight where Tony's just trying to keep the fucking suit alive long enough to save Pepper's life. Like that's his whole goal here. To save Pepper's life and take down Obadiah. And that's awesome. I love that. I love it. And of course, of course, being taunted by the villain the whole time. Like you do. Like you do. Because Obadiah is that kind of villain, right? Yeah. And Tony, Tony always fighting smarter, not harder. And so he uses that, that tauntingness that Obadiah is doing to lure him way up into the sky all the way up into the altitude. And I love that moment because like also the difference between the iron monger suit and the iron man suit, the iron man suit is an elegant machine, right? It's and got, it's like a big monstrosity that just like bulks out it, everywhere. Yeah. And like the rockets under its feet are like a, are like a fucking rocket into space. Like it looks like watching a shuttle launch. It's just like, yeah, that's a, that's a good, that's a very good comparison. Whereas the Iron Man suit is the Iron Man suit. It's you yeah. know, sexy. Um, but he's chasing him up into the sky and he grabs a hold of him and he says, you had a great idea, Tony, but my suit is more advanced in every way. And Tony's Whatever. like, yeah. How'd you solve the icing problem? Icing problem. Icing problem. <laughs> oh no, the Iron Manger suit was covered in ice. It was super clever. It was not enough. It was not enough. Uh, Tony lost pe- lost most of his power ended up landing on top of the building that had the arc reactor on it. Mm-hmm. And then he had to convince Pepper to please blow up the arc reactor while I'm on top of it. Exactly. Like, but also he's still being chased by Obadiah up on the roof. And I love this villain, this villain moment right here. Cause it's such a good fucking line. He goes, how ironic, Tony. 
Trying to rid the world of weapons? You gave me this best one ever. And now, I'm gonna kill you with it. <laughs> like, oh my god, dude. That's called foreshadowing, too. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the arc reactor blows up. It totally fucking fries and kills Obadiah Stane in the Ironmonger suit. Tony gets thrown fleer, thrown fleer, thrown clear is what I was trying to say. Uh, and everything is fine. The hero wins the day. Yay. Oh, but that's not all. But that's not all. <laughs> because that shit was super public. That was like in the street. That was like face to face with screaming people in a car trying really hard not to be murdered by a giant suit right now. Like everybody saw this shit, right? Yep. So now it's all over the papers. And did you see the photo of where it says like, who is the Iron Man on the, oh, on I the did, cover I of the did, newspaper? I did. Yeah. You know where that photo came from? No. Early in the filming, there were some random people who hid in some bushes and got really grainy video of the Iron Man suit during the filming of this movie. So they took a frame from that, and that video got on YouTube. And so they took a frame from that video and used that as the photograph, like a bad Bigfoot photo. On That's amazing. Paper. Isn't that fun? I fucking love that. <laughs> that's where, and, and that's just, that's just the MCU being too cool to be bothered by somebody leaking some footage. Like, you weren't kidding. You were kidding. You were kidding when they, they uh, you said that the MCU grew up in like a social media world, you know? Yeah. Like all that shit's happening. Yeah. Like this, they, this movie wasn't even out yet and shit was getting leaked online and shit. Wow. Like, yeah. Yeah. I might, onto MySpace. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, don't put this on your MySpace page. Anyway, um, so they're getting ready for a press conference. Uh, Pepper is tending to various small wounds upon uh, Tony's face. Colson is giving him his alibi. Uh, his, no, his his note cards specifically, yeah. yeah. Because the strategic homeland Hujabujabuja, which we finally find out in the scene, is called Shield, is giving him is, is helping him cover this up. Yeah, yeah. They're covering up the death of Obadiah Stane. He's on vacation and his plane crashed. So sad. They're giving him an alibi for the night before. They're going to cover up the whole Iron Man thing. Everything is hush hush. We're good to go. Just follow the note cards and you're fine. That's not really Tony Stark's style now, is it? Nope. Nope. <laughs> and this is like the best ending to any superhero movie ever. Uh-huh. Because like, I remember the first time seeing this, like, oh, he's going to have to pretend to be somebody else. It's going to kind of suck. Nope. We're going to do nope. the fucking tiresome-ass secret identity trope plot yep. again. 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 Uh, nope, we're not. I am Iron Man. <laughs> what? End <laughs> the fucking movie. Boom. Here's the thing about that line. I am Iron Man. That was ad-libbed by Robert Downey Jr. Oh, God damn. That really? was never intended. That was never going to be in the script at all. He decided, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to do a take with this. And they had to um, they had to tell all the extras in the filming so that th this wouldn't get spoiled. Uh, they told all the extras that the, they were filming a dream sequence. So that that's what this was, because like, after he drops that line what? and everybody reacts there, he's like, OK, like they, they pull the extras over. They're like, that was a dream sequence. So, you know, that's not a real thing. That's not actually how the plot goes, et cetera. They covered for it. That was not supposed to happen. But Kevin Feige saw that take, loved it 
okayed it. It ended up in the movie. And he credits that moment, Robert Downey Jr. ad-libbing that one line, he credits that for the reason why there are so few secret identities in the MCU. Because why not? everybody just kind of lives out loud. Well, that's kind of the way it is in, Mar- in the Marvel Universe, too, though. Right, exactly. Like, yeah. it's really only only Peter Parker. And like, yeah, you're a child. Mm. You should have a secret identity. <laughs> okay, so that's the end of the movie. Yeah, there's nothing else, right? Well, except there's one more thing. Oh, we get the wait. first. We get the very first ever post-credit scene. So, real quick, before we talk about the actual scene itself, did you know there was going to be a post-credit scene the first time Absolutely you saw this movie? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah. Were you like me and you fucking booked it? Oh yeah. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me tell you a story. My aunt and uncle were always obsessed with staying through the credits. Oh yeah, that's right. You've got credits right. watchers in your family. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I saw Iron Man, and then it was you mm-hmm. that told me that there was a post credit scene. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, really? I have to go see fucking Iron Man again? Blah. Yeah, because there was so, no like finding it online or anything. You got to go no, see there was the movie no, no again. YouTube, YouTube no, did not exist yet. At least it would, not to this degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I remember later my aunt calling me and she was like, oh, did you just see Iron Man? You're, we just saw it at, and, and saw mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. for the Q&A. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, uh, uh, yeah, I saw Iron Man. What did you think of the post credit scene? Uh, it was great it was uh who was in it uh iron man and 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 who else uh i don't i don't know christopher michael blah 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 and the rant kept well going. because she caught you in a lie you were lying right. yeah I you was were lying. a lying liar telling lies i was lying yeah yeah i didn't know either we had to go back and watch it again oh darn and catch the post credit scene yeah yeah because this is the first time. This is the first time that's ever, like, outside of fucking Ferris Bueller's Day Off. This is the first oh. time this has happened, you know? Or Masters of the Universe. That was the only other movie I can remember that had a post credit <laughs> It would be Masters of the Universe. <laughs> you have a very Dolph Lundgren-centered memory. <clears throat> well, who doesn't in the 80s that was also gay? I, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, post credit scene. Tony fucking Stark. Nick Fury. Yeah. Nick Fury wants to talk to him. About the Avengers Initiative. And and scene, and that's it. We're like, wait, what? Avengers? They're really going to do this? Hold up. A, Samuel Jackson? What? As the Fury? You got him in that whole getup to say like two lines. He's here for five seconds, then he's gone? What? And that's brilliant because now, of course, whatever fucking movie you people make next, I'm watching the shit out of it. And it worked. Oh, it was right? so good. It was so brilliant. And it, and it continues to work to this day. Like every single time there's an MCU thing or now even a Star Wars thing. Is there a post credits thing? Is yeah, there, is it's it... anything I watch now. I'm like, okay, real quick, Google it. Is there yeah, a post credits? Everything has a post credits, right? The mm-hmm. fucking Godzilla King Kong movies have post credits. It's yeah, crazy. Because yeah. it's brilliant. Uh, and that is Iron Man. Holy now, shit. There's, there's one thing I want to do at the end of each of these things now that we're in the Infinity Saga. Mm-hmm. I want to. I want to just just check in with where in the world are the Infinity Stones right now? Since we're oh, in wow. the Infinity Saga, okay, okay, that's where we know of. So right now, in the story, in 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 our chrono in our chronology, all we know of know it as is the Tesseract. We don't know there's an Infinity Stone in there, right? 
but there's an infinity stone in there. Like we as viewers who have watched the whole ass infinity saga before, that is the space stone inside the Tesseract. And it, as far as we know, is at a shield facility. Right. Last time we saw it, it was getting horked up on Nick Fury's desk. <laughs> so shield has the space stone right now. We don't know about any others. They're nope, not yet. out there in the galaxy somewhere. Okay. But I do want to keep track, keep a running track of where, where in the world are, is Carmen San Diego? You know, like where the fuck are the infinity stones right now? Because I think it, it becomes like a shell game after a while. It does, it does after a while. Yeah. yeah. A couple movies in. Yeah. All right. So that's, that's Iron Man. <laughs> Just two hours in baby. Two hours. Uh... Look at that shit. Huh? Anyway, uh, so do we have anything else? Did you leave anything on the notes? Do we have anything that we didn't cover for Iron Man? I think we covered everything. I think we covered a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I think we may need to just embrace that all of these Infinity Saga full-length feature film episodes are just going to be two hours. That's just how that is. That's just how it's going to be. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, so then next time, hold on, I'm pulling up the thing. I'm stalling as I'm trying to wait for a spreadsheet to open. Okay, oh shit. All right, so next time we are going to be talking about the movie that happens. Fuck, I'm stalling because I don't want to do this. This movie is set in May of 2011. So it happens just right after Iron Man. It's the Incredible Hulk. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> can we skip it? Can we, no, can we, we no, cannot. We okay. cannot because, because characters from The Incredible Hulk, the movie which the franchise, by the way, ignored elaborately for well over a decade. Right. Characters from this fucking movie are getting name dropped and stuff now. So, so we have oh to. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we do. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, next time we're going to be talking about The Incredible Hulk, the one that features Edward Norton playing Bruce Banner. Who? I'm kidding. I know. I don't know her. I don't know her. Anyway. All right. So, I, but that's it. That's it for today. We're done here. We're done here. We're done here. Amazing. All right. Uh, so then I'm going to outro. Okay. okay. Are you ready? You ready for this? I'm ready. I'm ready for this. Okay, here we go. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening and for hanging in with us for this long, you trooper. Um, if you would like to hang out with us in between episodes, um, you can totally do that. Uh, you can find us on all of the social medias. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok as at Marvelous underscore Divas. <laughs> I almost said Dark Side Divas. It's a different show. Marvelous. At- at Marvelous underscore Divas, except for on Facebook where it's at The Marvelous Divas. And everybody, you can subscribe to our podcast mm-hmm. on pretty much every podcast platform. Please leave us a review. If you leave us a five-star review and you can write a review like on Apple Podcasts, we will read it on the air as long mm-hmm. as that lets me. Also, we have a YouTube <laughs> channel under the Dark Side Divas uh, brand. Please subscribe, share that with your friends. And last but certainly not least, we have a Patreon, patreon.com. Mm-hmm forward slash divas podcast we have video versions of all of our uh, of our most recent episodes um exclusive content like steph reading smut and an awesome <laughs> discord community where i'm supposed to be playing video games with people in two minutes oh right oh yes. wow yeah we should wrap this up okay yes. <laughs> <laughs> blame it on boomer she delayed everything i am i'm okay. blaming boomer yes all right so then that's it that's it we're that's good it. That's okay it. all right bye, bye.
I am waving at the camera again. Dumbass. Uh, I have to tell you a story. Um, yeah. Uh, for your fodder, you know, because I know how important that is to you. Um, feed me. Feed me, Seymour. Feed me, Seymour. Um, I work with someone who can only be described as the Snoop Doggy Dog of software developers. Every time <laughs> every time I see him on Zoom, there's just like this haze. And nice. he, he informed me recently he lives on, uh, he has some land. Mm-hmm. He has a farm. And it's like, well, I don't need to ask you what you grow. And he's like, no, man, you don't. Um, anyway so do you remember that simpsons episode where they decided they're going to do a radioactive man movie and the guy who play who's supposed to be arnold schwarzenegger McBain, mm-hmm. he's tied up and there's that green green acid uh flood coming and he has goggles on and he gets taken away anyway and he screams the goggles they do nothing uh-huh so so uh i get on a, a zoom with him i was like hey man how are you doing uh are you doing okay are you hanging mm-hmm. in there and he's like Chris, the weed, it does nothing. <laughs> oh, honey. Yeah, nothing can fix this right now. Other other than, than equal opposite reaction. Like, that's all we can do is obey the laws of physics politically now. <laughs>